Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something-yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. spend with my valentine dan aguirre how are you brother hey man what's up i'm a little subdued i'm tired but i'm here and i'm i'm excited to be here i guess heavy super bowl talk right we're gonna have some heavy super bowl talk and we're also gonna get to know the coordinators a little bit i grabbed some of the sound bites uh from their recent uh press conferences and uh i think it's important we haven't gone through uh, listening to them talk, and I think it's important to do so to get to know who they are. And I've selected some sound bites. I, I, first of all, I, I'm really impressed by those press conferences. Now, press conferences don't mean much, but you do at least get to understand their personalities, their philosophies, and so forth. And so I walked away super impressed, and I'm anxious to play some of those for you to get your take on it and Tooch will jump in later and share his take and of course throughout the uh, broadcast we will have 
uh, uh, interaction with everyone in the chat room. People are pouring in. It looks like it's uh, open seating at the uh, Dallas football stadium. Did you see that video <laughs> of people like trampling one another to get a get a? I guess it was standing room only at at that the Dallas playoff game or something like that. I don't know what the fuck it was. I don't remember shit. But uh, hey, well, I will say this: When is the last time that you or anybody said that they were? Super impressed with the with the Bears press conference. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We have to go back to um, George Hal. No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go back to the, the the Matt Nagy inaugural press conference. I was somewhat impressed. Definitely, it, it was a a huge. Uh, uh, improvement over John Fox's press conferences where he would openly lie and would he would openly, you know, uh, uh, avoid questions, answers to questions and stuff. He they, was just a dick. Yeah. Fox was a dick. Yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it. And then Nagy impressed me. There was a nice fresh breath of fresh air, but after the 2018 season, everything went South for the guy. And I'm so glad you're still happy that he's gone. Absolutely. Do you think in hindsight, the worst thing that could have happened, not only for the Bears and for Matt Nagy as a man and as a coach, mm -hmm. was for him to receive that Coach of the Year award? No, I think that he still would have fucked up regardless of what happened. I think that the the uh, the worst thing that happened to him was that uh, when he was created, uh, he they put too much ego into his brain. <laughs> And that's why well, maybe that helped his inflate his ego. He's like, I'm the coach of the year. I know what I'm doing. It's just my system. That's that these players can't, they can't understand it. Mm -hmm. Last says, I love Mike Ditka's intro press conference. Do you recall seeing that? You, Cause I know you see a lot of stuff on replay or anything like that. Uh, Dan, do you recall Ditka's uh, inaugural press? Yeah, conference? I've seen sound bites again. I was too young at the, at the time. Plus, in 1982, it's not like it was easy to consume media. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, I've seen it retrospectively, not in full. But, yeah, I mean, he and Hallis both sitting there. I've seen clips. Yeah, that was a great press conference. In fact, all of Mike Ditka's press conferences were gold. I mean, yeah, his I, New Orleans ones were good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think the guy has ever had a bad press conference. He's been moody. He's been uh, happy. He's every emotion imaginable. Mike Ditka displayed it in his press conferences, whether he was here in Chicago or New Orleans, and those were a treat. God bless the guy. Um, I, I know he's getting up there in age. Every time I see him in those point bets commercial, I'm, I like go, oh man, poor guy. He's getting old, a lot older than I am right now, and I'm getting pretty old. I went to the dentist today, and I got. Uh, $9,000 worth of work to do uh, on my teeth because I got a couple of, uh, I don't want to get into all the details, but I got a couple of procedures and I went to this high-end dentist where they've got reclining chairs with massage. They give you a massage as they're working on your teeth. They put sunglasses on you. So the harsh light that they use to look into your mouth, you know, doesn't bother you. There's a TV on the ceiling that I could watch ESPN while they're doing all this procedure. And I'm like, I'm loving this. And then the lady brings me into the room and says, okay, this is how much it's going to cost to do the work that we talked about. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, not to, not to placate you, but when I was with you, I didn't think, 
Man, Aldo's got some fucked up teeth. I didn't think that. <laughs> My teeth are, are generally good, but I got a couple of cavities and I got some, uh, you know, 75% of Americans have uh, uh, periodontal gum disease. And so I've got some inflamed gums. And so they got to go through a procedure to do that. So, you know, I haven't been to the dentist in three years because of the pandemic. And so my, my teeth, uh, you know, I, I let them go a bit. So I got to pay. I got to pay. That is what it is. So anyway, uh, I also have a media uh, segment uh, for us. You know, there was nothing super substantial, but I got Duck, Dick Butkus. <laughs> Dick He's been in the news lately. <laughs> yes, huh? he has. What a great motherfucker he is, man. He just t- telling it like it is about Justin Fields and the former coaching staff and how they didn't coach him up. So I've got some of that. I got Hub Arkish talking about the MVP award. And I wanted to ask you a question because I, I, my feeling is, is that in pro football, I don't think there should be an MVP award. There, there shouldn't. I mean, it's pro football is the ultimate team sport and 99 times out of a hundred, it's going to be given to the quarterback and it's just kind of catered to, to award the quarterback as the most valuable player. But I don't, I don't think football should have an MVP. You have any thoughts on that? I'm not against there being an MVP. I'm against it being, it feels like you're at the prom and, who's going to be the king and the queen. And it's, it's, it's based on popularity. It's mm-hmm. like the fucking pro bowl balloting. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with like who actually in some instances deserved it. Although I won't sit here and say that Rogers hasn't played well enough to earn these votes, but I don't know. Well, who did Hub vote for? He said he wouldn't vote. Yeah. Did he vote for Cooper Cup? He did that- reveal that that sole vote that Cooper Cup got in the MVP voting was his. I wonder who. I mean, am I crazy in thinking that Stafford should have won MVP in the game for yeah. the Super Bowl? I I agree, and that's another thing in the media bite segment that the reporters got to get, put their votes in. By by the two minute warning of the fourth quarter, so you're not even allowed to see the entire game before you vote. Now, how fucking stupid is that? Because the game winning play can and did happen after the two minute warning. So imagine if they voted for Cooper Cup, and let's say he had a game losing fumble. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like the first play after the two-minute warning, he catches just a, a, a regular pass, gets hit. It's fumble. Oh, Cincinnati recovers it. The game is over. Mm-hmm. But he's the MVP. Yeah. Cody makes a good point. He says, I think the MVP should be announced after the Super Bowl to account for playoffs. Because if that's the case, then it would have been Aaron Rodgers getting one vote as opposed to just to, to Cooper Cup getting one vote because his playoff, you know, I think he was... But, but it's supposed to be for the regular season, though. Yeah, but that's Cody's uh, point is that it should encompass the entire season, playoffs and regular season. I, I Well, I, I respectfully disagree with that point because you could have someone that just is phenomenal but for whatever reason, barely misses the playoffs and it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Maybe he's on a team with a ter- terrible defense or maybe they lose the the division or something and then something fluky happens and they don't get in. You know, sometimes like the 2013 Bears, you know, it's like you either you win the North or but you can't win the wild card. Yeah. 
Jeremy says Stafford had two interceptions that could have cost his team the game. Yeah, that was that is right. There were two interceptions. I forgot about that. Yeah, I did too, but it's still overall his completion percentage was high and he made the game winning throw when it was necessary. Yep. We we still should touch on like we talked about fire that penalty. Yes. Let's talk uh, because about that's so controversial. But I know you're trying to set up the overall show, so let, no, I mean, no, let no. me know. No, no, that's that's fine. I mean, we we go wherever we go to, man. We we can we 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 bob and weave and and jab and punch. Um, no, you're right. Th- that penalty, Cooper Cup. Uh, how much time was there left? It was about a minute and yeah, it's under seconds. two minutes. I mean, yeah. and that gave them first and goal from the one yard line. I mean, you don't think it should have been called? Right? <sighs> I, one thing, let me say, and you know I've been critical of Chris Collinsworth. I thought Collinsworth did the best he could in that position. He can't. I've seen so many people critical of him, uh, saying that he should have called them out. And when Al went to him, he was like, "That's the call they made on the field." Mm-hmm. I don't think he. It's not that he lacks the temerity. In that situation, you don't want to call out the officials and say that was a stupid call mm-hmm. or oh what a, what a dumb call or or question their integrity on air in the biggest game of the season. So I don't know what else Chris could have done there. To answer your question, I think uh, that it looked more like illegal contact. But as I told you, I don't know if it was inside five yards or not. I didn't go and analyze it. If it were, if it was within five yards Mm -hmm. and it wasn't illegal contact, then I think it's an awful call. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the, the, he does, it's a little grabby. Yeah, there are some hands there, but if it's within five yards, that's legal and it, by definition. Then I don't see any interference. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I, 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 to me, I was actually surprised at the amount of attention that call was getting in social media. I know it was ticky tacky, but it was there. It's, a, it's under two minutes. Under two minutes, I think you should call just about everything because you don't want to be accused of missing a call um, that could determine the game. The more egregious call to me was when Jalen Ramsey was face masked and that was not called. Um, by the way, Jabari Lou says Aaron Donald should have gotten MVP. He had the game-winning sack, and he led that defense all four quarters. Jabari, a lot of people are saying that Donald was kind of nullified a bit in the first half. He was early on. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I can see that because the, the Bengals came out with a strategy to nullify him, and so there was some double-teaming going on and so forth that made it very difficult but you're right, Jabari. I mean, the, all the votes were cast before he made that game-winning sack. So that gets to Hub's point uh, of how stupid it is that they got to vote on the MVP when the game isn't even over yet. Uh, we'll talk about that more at the other end of the media highlights. But to me, what do you think about the Jalen Ramsey non-call? No, when it was live, I didn't see that. I thought that he fell down. Mm-hmm. And when they showed the replay, I was like, wow. They let him get away with that. Right. If you can backtrack just a minute, Please. I don't want to mispronounce this gentleman's name, mm-hmm. but he, he's someone that interacts with me, and I think with you as well. Is it Sanjin jo- Jovanovic? That is correct. Uh, Mr. Jovanovic was pointing out that, um, you know, all the shit that I've taken over the years for my criticism of Khalil Mack, mm-hmm. not that I'm saying this just like, oh, pat me on the back. He was making the point is, as Bear fans, a lot of us, you know, have – 
put Mac up on this pedestal that he's so great. And like Donald single-handedly there at the end was just like affecting the outcome, uh, what seemingly his will to to get that title. Mm-hmm. What just palpable. He, he was saying that, like, have you ever seen Cleo Mac do that? I mean, like Donald's like the game record, not Mac. And yeah. I was like, fuck, man, I think Robert Quinn's better than Cleo Mac. Yeah, that's a tough one to say. I think Robert Quinn had in 2021 a better season than Khalil Mack has ever had with the Bears. Absolutely. So, and he didn't have anybody like, quote unquote, like Mack on the other side, but a couple of games. Right. Right. I think it was five games. And after five or six games, Khalil Mack had a, a sack per game playing alongside Robert Quinn. One of the things that I'm going to miss about Sean Desai, and I think Mike. Patton should get credit for that were the exotic blitzes that enabled that really uh, 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 accelerated or really gave power to that combination of Quinn and Mac. I hope that the new defensive corner and we'll hear from him uh, later. I, I hope that he can really make it productive for those two guys, because if they play those two guys together, play the same way that did the first five, six games of the season when then we got something, we've got something incredible. And, and we're in it. Like I, I honestly believe without Matt Nagy here and someone coaching fields up, which I know is going to be your audio as well. I, I would imagine with Dick Buckus saying, you know, he wasn't coaching here. Yes. Uh, if you have fields playing the way we all think he can play. Mm-hmm. And if your defense can just be just, you know, good, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be great, mm-hmm. but just good. If your offense can be good, your defense is good that at least gives you an opportunity to be in it yeah. in the thick of it. And and to me, that makes me happy because Cincinnati once more, wasn't supposed to be in it. Mm-hmm. And to me in that super bowl, they had the game. Mm-hmm. And this is just my personal opinion. They sat on that lead. Yes. It felt like they were happy with that lead in the third quarter and got ultra conservative. And the Rams were just stopping the running game. Mixon's a decent back, but there was like 10 tackles for losses or something. And they were just content with, you know, a couple, well, you know, uh, oh, uh, quarterback sacked and two runs and a punt. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the exact, you know, playlist, but the point is it felt like they thought the game was over. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to suddenly, like, you know, Stafford throws the touchdown after the penalty. We know that. And they got one more chance. Mm-hmm. So they can't complain too much because at least they had all their timeouts. They got the ball back. All they needed was three points, and they've got a great kicker. So everything's out in front of them. But it's hard to go back out when for the last hour you've been playing in neutral. Yeah. You've been trying to not you've been playing to not lose. And then suddenly you got to turn it back on and get and go right back out there and then try to win. Yeah. I that's what I was thinking at the time. I was like, man, they've been cold ever since that because you know the second half they had that that play, mm-hmm. the big play, then they had the one that should have been the face mask and it was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They got a pick and a quick field goal, and they didn't do shit the rest of the game. Yeah. It's, it seems to me like the play calling was, uh, you know, when, when they became run focused, that happened too early and they should yes. have continued 
to utilize Burrow. They, they, they perhaps got afraid of that Rams pass rush. NFL Films has started to release that fabulous footage they do every year of the Super Bowl. They got the coaches mic'd up and so forth. And there's one clip that I saw where uh, Sean McVay, uh, after the Bengals stopped the running play, he says, we're going to have to put the game into Stafford's hands, words to that effect. And so that was great that that young coach saw that, you know, they wanted to establish their run. They wanted to have a balance, but it just wasn't fucking happening for them. They, they right. you know, they could not run the ball on the Bengals. And so he knew that he was going to have to, that big acquisition where they traded all those draft, all that draft capital for Stafford, this was it. This was the moment. He was going to have to do it, and he did. And 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 social media has erupted because Dan Orlovsky says that um, uh, Stafford deserves to go to the Super Bowl, uh, not or the Hall of Fame. The, excuse me, the Hall of Fame. Not everybody agrees. What say you? I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but that doesn't mean I mean that he's not a great player. Because we always thought that he, like we both have said, that he was better than what he's shown in Detroit. Uh, but having said that, what he had in Detroit was what he had. Mm -hmm. And when you combine all of that, if he retired today, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But it doesn't matter. He got his, he got that Super Bowl. He could have been the MVP. He was Troy. They gave up two first round picks, and you know he had to throw that big pass to Cooper Cup to beat Tom Brady after the. An, epic collapse by their defense and and then he he still won the game mm -hmm. and then he comes back and wins the super bowl in the clutch he doesn't have to do anything to prove any a shit to anybody you're in you're my opinion absolutely right and and let's remember he's 34 years old and so in today's NFL, and it's taken a beating oh my gosh over yes. the years i mean remember he had a broken back or something uh, his last year in Detroit, right? Would he have some fractured vertebrae in his back or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I vaguely remember that. So, yeah, he, he definitely has taken a beating. The, the Lions never had a run game to support him. They never had uh, a pass uh, pass blocking line to support him. They did give him, you know, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, and that was fantastic. And they made the playoffs three times with that team. Right. So, Which, how many other Lions teams have made it three times? Uh, none. <laughs> we got to go back to the 50s, I guess. Um, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but so what? But I he mean, could still make it. He's only 34. So if he goes to the Super Bowl and becomes the Super Bowl MVP next year or the year after or even the year after, then all of a sudden his credentials start to yeah, exactly. amass. And he's had a, a couple of like 4,500-yard seasons, if I remember correctly. I mean, the guy has been proficient. He's been criticized for being a stat stuffer. I never I never really saw him being a, a stat stuffer. I, I always saw him as being a better-than-average quarterback who didn't have a team around him to win Super Bowls. That that's, was always my assessment of Greg Gabe, I mean, of uh, Matt Stafford. Now, Greg Gabriel doesn't like Stafford at all. When he was at Georgia, he gave him a poor scouting report, and throughout his entire career, he would tweet out things against Stafford. And now, you know, I asked him about that on Monday, and he, you know, was he almost like changed the topic a little bit. He was a little reluctant to give him the props that he uh, that he deserves. Oh, come on, Greg, you're better than that. <laughs> I don't. I'm not saying that he did. I'm just saying you could tell it was like pulling a tooth, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I I always bring things back to Jay Cutler, as you know. Yes. <laughs> I honestly believe man what you saw from Stafford could have been Cutler mm -hmm. in the right situation mm -hmm. like if Mike Shanahan doesn't leave Denver 
isn't fired, that could have been Cutler. Or if the Bears would have had, you know, some better offensive coaches or anything, or a better system. Mike March's system was so great in 99, but by 2010, you know, it didn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Plus, we didn't have the personnel to run it in Chicago uh, when you're not on the greatest show on turf. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in on the worst grass in the league. <laughs> That's know? right. Like, it just it just didn't work, but that could have been Cutler. Yep. I, I honestly believe Stafford has always had better statistics than Jay. I don't want him to ignore that, but I think Jay had the same talent as Stafford and could have been in another scenario, yep. but we'll never know. Don Burr says that uh, Stafford would have been the best quarterback in Bears history had the Bears had him on the roster. I'm not going to argue. I can't argue. That. I can't argue with that statistically. I mean, Sid Luckman, you know, back in his day, he was like the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But it's too, it's impossible really to compare quarterbacks from that era with this era. But yeah, that, uh, Don is absolutely right. So we would have been salivating to have multiple 4,000 yard seasons. Yeah. From a quarterback like Stafford. So I, I, I won't disagree with Don. But what's, what's interesting though about that premise is, you know, Matt Stafford, Jay Cutler, Matt Stafford, Jay Cutler. They're very, very similar. The thing yes. that's happened with Stafford is that he finally got onto a team where the head coach really set up a system based for his talents and got the personnel to support him. And Cutler never had that in Chicago. And- right. And he would have if Shanahan wouldn't have been fired. Like Mike Shanahan believed in him. Mm-hmm. And he was, as you know, that was a Super Bowl winning coach. And before that, offensive coordinator that won a Super Bowl. So, and, and obviously, you see his son's got a good pedigree. So, he would have catered the offense, like you just said, for Stafford uh, toward Jay. If Jay would have just been able to stick around in Denver with Mike Shanahan, he would have won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. especially if you have Brandon Marshall, if, if he doesn't lose his, you know, his mindset and things like that. And you have Eddie Royal, and, you know, I mean, they had some players back then. Art by, Tony Scheffler tight end. Tony Scheffler at tight end. Yeah. Art by Nike says Bears have had mailmen for as quarterback for decades, which is funny because Bobby Avellini looked like my mailman. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we saw a Bob Avellini jersey in Cleveland. That's right. <laughs> and we did talk to that guy, right? He told Yeah, us, I think so. I think he told us that there was some connection or something. But yeah, that is great. I have a Bobby Avellini jersey. Again, what the most obscure jersey you own is which one? I would say David Terrell. Yeah, the broken foot David Terrell. Hey, let's draft a wide receiver who's coming out of Michigan with a broken foot. <laughs> Where are we my uh, my old friend Dan, who, again, who had that fame for a couple of years there on the internet uh, as the progressive liberal Daniel Richards. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he was wrestling as this anti-Trump character and all these Republican. I mean, and he was suddenly on Vice and Sports Illustrated, HBO. Uh, you know, he was on uh, Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, he played against David Terrell in high school basketball. Mm-hmm. So he was always so proud of that to say, like, man, I used to own this dude in high school. I mean, granted, a different sport, but still, you had a professional athlete that you were killing mm-hmm. on the court, and then he's in the NFL now. Um, do you think <laughs> – somebody in the in the chat room just said, did you guys watch any Bears games? Cutler was awful. I, I just – don't see that awful absolutely not first of all he was one of the most courageous quarterbacks in nfl history forget about just the bears this guy took a beating a beating and he showed up and he played his heart out 
I'm going to roll some highlights while we talk about yeah. Jay. Can I say one thing about that to Please add do. to your point? Please do. And maybe Don will remember this, the Lions fan. In 2013, Jay was in Washington and tore his groin. Mm -hmm. That's the game where Robbie uh, Gold, it seemed to have kicked a field goal to win it that appeared to be good, and they called it bad. They said no good, and no one complained. They went to overtime, and RG3 led them to a victory. But I always thought that Gold made the field goal. It really looked good to me, but mm -hmm. what do I know? But uh, So Jay tears his groin, and for the next like 10 days, is he had this thing called a harp machine because mm -hmm. back then he was on Waddle and Sylvie, you know, and they were t giving, they were shooting him with an injection in his fucking balls, mm -hmm. taking blood from his balls, like putting into this machine that spun the platelets and then re-injecting himself in the balls. So he was taking <laughs> injections in the balls multiple times a day. <laughs> and just to get ready for that Detroit game, uh -huh. which he came back and played, I think he missed one game, but came back for the Lions game. And he did that by being a man and taking multiple injections in the ball bag every day for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think I could do that. I know I, I could never do that. <laughs> but as you were sharing that story, I just put up some random highlights I found on YouTube of uh, Jay's deep throws. The guy had a phenomenal arm. He's escaping pressure. He's stepping up in the pocket. Look at this pass. He throws it up 70 yards in the air, completes it to the good old number 13. Who was number 13 on the Bears? Was that Johnny Knox. Johnny Knox. And that was a great combination for the two or three years that they were together. H him and Knox, that was great. It's, it's a shame that the Bears did not do what they should have done to provide Cutler with all the weapons that he needed. They did not um, help him with pass blockers. They, they acquired Jay Cutler, and then they said, okay, that – that's done. Let's go back to building the defense. Lovey Smith and Jerry Angelo were just so intent about building a top five defense, and they did, but it, it came at the expense of giving Cutler the Yeah, the but that defense, I, I, again, there's so many people that are Bear fans that just pound their chest about that defense, and I'll give you an example. So if you recall, uh, in 2012, as we've talked about many times, they started 7-1. and one. All right, so they remember they lose that game to Colin Kaepernick in his first start on Monday Night Football when Jason Campbell got sacked like eight times. Mm -hmm. Well, the next week, they're back in Chicago against the Seahawks, and they've got, I think it was a 10-7 to lead or something, and Seattle goes 97 yards on our defense mm -hmm. to presumably win the game with like 20 seconds to go. So what happens? Jay gets on the field throws a goddamn bullet down the field, like 65 yards to Brandon Marshall, mm -hmm. who catches it, dives out of bounds, sets up Robbie. He makes the kick. So we go to overtime. You think about this now. This was Erlacher's last game, by the way. Mm -hmm. Seattle goes 97 yards on our vaunted defense. Mm -hmm. Jay throws the pass to Marshall, sets up this miracle field goal. Seattle gets the ball in overtime, and they go 80 yards. And and score a touchdown with uh, the former Viking. What was his name? Simeon. Uh, uh, no, something Moss. What was his name? The fucking wide receiver. He didn't do uh, much. In, was it Santana Moss? No, he wasn't a wide receiver, was he? Yeah, he was. Uh, okay, man, wh whatever. The, the point is, Seattle won in overtime. The defense gave up a 97-yard drive, an 80-yard drive, back-to-back -back in Chicago 
against a rookie Russell Wilson. If they win that game, they make the playoffs. Yeah. Santana Moss, Travis is saying, and I believe that. Okay. Great. Yeah. I think he, well, somebody scored there at the end that was a former Viking. Uh, his name, uh, fuck it, who cares? What, what year was light, that? What year was that? 2012. Uh, 2012. This is the week after Kaepernick beat us in his, in his first ever start. Yeah, I get you. The next week, again, they lose to Seattle at home, 80-yard 80, uh, drive and a 97-yard drive back-to-back. Mm -hmm. But Jay, in between that, had that miracle pass to Brandon Marshall that set up a Robbie field goal to send it to overtime, but he didn't touch the ball again in overtime. Mm -hmm. So, again, we, we pound our chest about our defense. Even when Jay was good, the defense, who was still good back then, mm -hmm. fucking just melted like hot butter. Yep. Cutler threw uh, 17-26, 233 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was not sacked in that game. Russell Wilson was sacked twice, threw for 293 yards, also had two touchdowns and zero interceptions. The touchdown catchers were uh, – who is S. Rice for – Yeah, that's the who I was Sidney thinking Sidney Rice. There you go. That's him. He it was a right, former Viking. It was somebody Rice, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. Sidney Rice. Uh, Sidney Rice, yeah, former yeah. Viking. I knew there was a former Viking. Yeah, well, man, you got a good, good memory. And then for the Bears, catching touchdown passes were Forte and Bennett, as you said. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Robbie's big field goal to send it to overtime. Right. Yeah, man, that's just an example. If they if the defense holds out there, the Bears make the playoffs that year, and and if Lovey's not fired, then mm -hmm. yes. Lovey's not fired, and we, is... I mean, just the whole everything is rewritten. Mm -hmm. We don't get Tressman. We probably don't get Phil. Phil, even if we got, yeah, I guess we had Phil in twenty twelve. Phil Embry, but we we don't get Fox. Probably you probably don't get Ryan Pace. Like everything is rewritten. That one game could have changed everything, and it could have changed the way we see Jay Cutler as well. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Um, what else about the Super Bowl game um, really struck you? You want to talk about the halftime show at all? Did you enjoy it? Uh, I did. I did. I'm surprised considering where they were mm -hmm. that they that there was no Ice Cube. I honestly thought Ice Cube would make some kind of surprise appearance, and instead it was 50 Cent. And I don't understand, like, why why it was 50 Cent. Like, and why is he playing in the club from, like, fucking 04? Like, mm -hmm. it just didn't fit to me. Like, that's my only criticism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how Mary J. Blige fed either, but okay. They wanted a lady. Okay. Kendrick Moore. Okay. But to me, like, Snoop and, and, and Dre and then Eminem there at the end, that's perfect. And if you bring out Ice Cube, then – then it, to me, it's the greatest show of all time. It mm -hmm. could have been. But I, people are saying that now. I, I certainly didn't think it was controversial for Eminem kneeling, and I don't know why people – I think they're looking just to be mad about something. Mm -hmm. Factor says that he liked Eminem and Kendrick Lamar, Snoop, and 50 Cent. 50 Cent were, are overrated. I don't know about overrated. Maybe maybe 50, 50 is. Although I'm not, I'm not a big connoisseur of rap and, and hip-hop, but – when that show started, what's the name of that opening uh, tune that Dr. Dre started with? Uh, that thing, 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 thing. See, I don't know. <laughs> Is it still Dre? At the very beginning of the halftime well, I don't show. know if that's what they opened with, but I was thinking maybe it was still Dre. Yeah, I see. I don't know the titles, but man, uh, that opening song, I was like, okay, this is going to be good. And for the most part, I really, really enjoyed it. The set decoration I thought was kind of odd. Um, yeah, the house thing. Yeah. Like they showed Snoop in a, 
a house and had a picture of him young on the wall. Do you, do you know why that was? Is I mean, is there a reason? Is that associated with one of the songs or something? Maybe like it's that? something to do with the video, and I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Mule, Mule says he unmuted the TV and drank the game, came back on. <laughs> um, no, nah, you, you got to watch and you got to listen uh, to the halftime shows. Even if you're not a fan of the artist, just, just that way you could, you know, one day you're going to sit down and make your list of best halftime shows. And you're, Mule, you won't know if this one deserved to be number 10 or number 100. <laughs> so, uh, 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 yeah, it's it's probably the best one you think it's the I mean, best one that, so, the, really? i don't like michael jackson but you, you'd have to put michael jackson's show in pasadena at 27 up there and potentially i guess prince in our game when we lost to the colts mm -hmm. in the rain and i don't know maybe the weekend last year i wasn't a big fan of that show but like other people were mm -hmm. uh, maybe j-lo i don't know she looked fucking good yeah. maybe the rolling stones tom patty did it but to me, the Dre show was probably the best that, yeah, it's probably the best. Yeah. Well, I, I, Bruno Mars to me was my favorite. I, that, that's just music that feels like the Motown music I grew up with. So that was phenomenal. Oh, by the way, uh, Cody and a couple of other people are saying that the staging, the houses were made to look like the houses in compton and watts and so that makes uh, a lot of that sense. makes a lot of sense then yeah that makes a lot of sense so i'll tell my wife that because she and i were like I, I really had a great time watching the game it was just my wife and, and me and normally she annoys the shit out of me because she, makes these, <laughs> she asks these stupid questions and i'm trying to concentrate on the game it got to the point where she said like i'm never going to watch a game with you again i just won't I, I mean you get tired of my questions and so forth so i begged her watch the game with me i don't have any interest in the game i just want to see drama we could talk about the commercials halftime show she did i, I want to mention two commercials by the way yeah uh, in a second here it, she she was making me laugh throughout it, it helped that i smoked a little marijuana during the game but one of the things that she really had me uh cracking up was she kept calling joe burrow mr cocky face you know look at that cocky face that's mr cocky face look at look at cocky face again oh look at he got sacked no more mr cocky face and so forth and so after a while i, I said, take it that mrs gandia was rooting for the rams you know what she was actually rooting for the Bengals, but wow. she was getting so frustrated with the Bengals' performance and you know one of the one of the funny things that she says is like when somebody is making a play, she just doesn't understand why didn't he just run the other way? Why didn't he throw the ball to that open guy? And I'm like, sweetheart, this game is going by so fast; it's so difficult to make plays like that. And so, but after a while, she was calling this guy Mr. Cocky Face so so much. I got a feeling she was turned on by Joe Pearl, which is why she, <laughs> she was using that term, cocky. <laughs> The way the kid dresses seems a little bit pretentious to me. Yeah. <laughs> and he just seems like he's projecting an image that that I, I do find annoying. But I was rooting for him on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But he, he does seem to be very arrogant. I'll give your wife that. He It's almost like Jim McMahon, but without as much of the cockiness for lack of a better word he he reminds me a lot of mcmahon in, in his demeanor um and, and his play to be honest with you jim mcmahon would be in the hall of fame and and ha had set pass uh passing records uh that would probably be broken today because of the rules 
if he was with another team. When he came and out, without Charles Martin. Yes, uh, absolutely. But when he came out of BYU, I was like, man, this guy could be a fucking outstanding quarterback. And the and he will say it before and louder than me. The only one that held him back was Mike Ditka and his play calling. But fuck, stand by one. I've got an alarm, a station off there. Okay. I'll be right back. No fuck, problem. Man. No problem. Hang on, I'll be right back. All right, let me uh, bring in the Tuja, the Tuja. Tucha, bring yourself in here while I get rid of the graphic. Look at this guy. Sounds like uh, Dan is putting his back in World War II at Pearl Harbor. It's like, <laughs> how are you, brother? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I, uh, That's because you won a eat- lot of money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I won a lot on this one. There was uh, some easy plays that mm-hmm. I think the books made a mistake on, and that was uh, – uh, Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals. That's the Bengals kicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's had like two plus field goals in five of the last six games. And mm-hmm. he hits from distance. Zach Taylor loves going for him. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I played a, a, bang, a Bengals field goal in the first quarter. Uh, that hit. I had Bengals plus four and a half. Um, I had the uh, under, under uh, 48 and a half. So yeah. just, uh, just killed it. I mean, uh, it was great. Great night. That was the uh, bet I wish I would have made because I saw you talking about it, and I saw uh, North tweeted about it. He said that his main bet was the under, and I yeah. thought about it, and I said to myself, you know what? It, it makes such a smart bet, but it was like minutes before kickoff, and I said, fuck it. I made two prop bets that'll, that'll yeah, do I it. I made that. 345 bucks that night. Look at this guy. Whoa. Look at this guy. Ooh. Yeah, it was nice. Nice. Sign up for VIP if you want to. Uh, make some- Everybody, go to uh, at John Santucci VIP and get those yep. picks and make some money. Uh, Dan, are you back? Yes, uh, it was Fox News creating the disturbance. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, Fox News Radio. Right cool. Don't great get me started cool. on Fox News. Oh my gosh, the misinformation. You know, oh, yeah, so, yeah, it, it, it was the Brian Kilmeade show, which makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> <listening to it. laughs> I don't even know who that is. He's the Fox and he's Friends on Fox guy. and Friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. He's he's yeah. a funny guy. SNL is also making fun of him. Uh, so Stephen Nagishi is asking, how much did you bet in order to win that three hundred and something dollars? The uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, what do you call it? The, the over one and a half field goals by McPherson. I bet one hundred and fifty bucks. It was mm-hmm. minus one twenty. So I was so confident in that one. That was like you know fifteen unit bet for me. Mm-hmm. So, Russell yeah, Webster uh, says Dan is so liberal. It's sick. <laughs> I'll I'll take it. I'll wear it, man. I own it. <laughs> um, and and Tucci is a conservative, right? Would Would you describe yourself as a conservative? I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm I'm kind of a, a common sense. That's mm-hmm. my. If there was a common sense party, I'd be part of it. Wow. So I, I find. Uh, yeah, never I'd, vote for a Republican then. I'm just well, kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't vote for a Democrat either because they they make no sense either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all these crazy policies. I mean, this is the, the foreign policy of the Democrats is insanity to me. It's like mm-hmm. uh, demonize Russia, force Russia to go to side with China mm-hmm. against the United States. It's, mm-hmm. it's stupid. Yeah. You know, we should be uh, uh, working with everybody, you know, to, uh, to to further a better future for the whole world. No, I, I not not making demons of other countries. 
my my brother who knows nothing about politics, although he thinks he does, he his philosophy is bomb everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like he 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 was seriously telling me we should just go to Mexico and bomb them and take over the country. And I'm like Harry. Please, please I, shut the fuck up. Well, the only thing I want to, because I want to get back to football, but the, the the Republicans like made quote unquote demons out of Russia from like 1948 until the fall. That's of the, the same Soviet party Union. as the Democrats now. It's the Warhawk Party. Well, they're, they're, I, I they're the same. Uh, sure. They're I mean, neo neo conservative well, neo liberals. Say that Trump was capitulating with a, a horrible human being in Vladimir Putin. But what? Let, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Let's yeah, talk about know, the Super Bowl and turn our Super Bowl uh, commercials. Uh, we were going to talk about the commercials. Yeah, there's two specifically that I loved. I mean, absolutely loved. And one was the Soprano one. Oh yes. Uh, with that. Uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler driving. I don't remember which car company it was, and then AJ's in it at the end. And I love that one, and I love the Schwarzenegger one where he's playing Zeus. You know what? I missed that. I, I saw it on the TV, but I wasn't listening to it. So, but that was good. I thought it was great, and he was funny as fuck at the end. Mm-hmm. Arnold's always been a lot, you know, a lot funnier than people give him credit for. Absolutely, like, yes. Yeah, he's not stiff. Like, he's not a – I mean, if he didn't have an accent, I think people would have given him much more credit for his acting ability. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that he could have such a heavy accent in in the early 80s, no less, and still become a major star in his late 30s with, again, with that heavy accent shows how fucking talented the guy was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. I've got some clips up of that commercial you were mentioning with the the Sopranos takeoff. Uh, it looks like it's a, a Jeep commercial, a Chevy Silverado. There you go. Yeah, she's doing the same drive that Tony did right. in the open. Oh man, that was great! And that embrace that she has with her TV brother was classic. And, had, and they're cl- they're close in real life. Yeah, and he's they do had, a podcast together. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I know that he's had some problems with the law, and so as and she's as, got multiple sclerosis. That's right, I forgot about that. Oh my goodness, gorgeous woman! I'll tell you that, man. And yes, da- absolutely, damn good actor. I wish she, uh, she was in more stuff. Um, that was a good commercial. Uh, what could, Steve Buscemi commercial? Which one was that? Bar, I missed that. Uh, the bowling alley bar. Yeah, was that a take on the Big Lebowski where he the bowling thing? Yeah. Big Lebowski Trees Lounge mm-hmm. type uh, takeoff. That was pretty good. The cable guy was funny. I love Jim Carrey as the cable Jim guy. Jim Carrey looked so old in that, didn't he? Yeah. He looks old yeah. now. It was good to see Chip Douglas again. Mm-hmm. The cable guy's name in the movie, Chip Douglas. <laughs> I did like, you're right, though. I like that, that spot. It's Chip weird Douglas. that they placed it in, in the middle of halftime. Mm-hmm. You would have thought more people would have seen that, like, at least before Dre's performance. Yeah, true. Was Selma Hayek in a commercial? Foster Cullen yeah, is with the out. Zeus one with uh, I forget who was the Zeus. Was that Schwarzenegger? Uh, Schwarzenegger was Zeus. Was it was a Schwarzenegger dressed up as Zeus? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. I Selma Hayek that. was in that one. I didn't know that. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that either. The, 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 the tracts of land bouncing as mm-hmm. she ran. Selma is on my list of women that I would, you know. Uh, Sacrifice my wife for it. sweetheart. <laughs> Start packing. Someone's moving in. <laughs> oh, honey, I love you. Um, <laughs> she's not going to watch this later. <laughs> no, I hope not. Okay. Wasn't Selma Hayek the um, 
the drug, the main drug dealer in Oliver Stone's movie Savages. Uh, yes, she was. God, she looks so yes. good in that. Yes, <laughs> yes. And did you ever see the movie um, directed by Robert Rodriguez with George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino? Oh yeah, you're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, 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 no. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Not the the 1996 vampire film with yeah. Juliette Lewis. Yes, yes. Uh, five, uh, from Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, it was on recently, and yeah, I saw that at the theater. Oh yeah, I saw it at the theater too, and that scene where she somehow comes out and does her kind of strip thing and yes. so forth. And she walks over to Tarantino and sticks her toes in his mouth. I mean, half her foot is down his fucking throat and he's, and just he has a foot fetish as we know big time yeah. foot fetish. I mean, you could almost see the table in front of him levitating because of the heart on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite line of that whole movie because he's a pedophile in the movie, you know, mm -hmm. and he has this vision of Juliette Lewis, who's supposed to be underage in the film. Right. Uh, obviously, she wasn't, but she looks at him and she goes, whatever his name was, uh, Richie, I think, maybe. Mm -hmm. She's like, Richie, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah, 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 sure. You know, he's Tarantino. <laughs> and she's like, will you eat my pussy? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that for you. I could do that, you know. <laughs> and later in the film, he acknowledges that he's like, you know what that thing you asked me? I'd like to do that for you. She's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> but I love that. She he has this vision of her wanting him to go down on her. That is awesome. Why yeah, that was hilarious? What was the uh the thing from uh, King Pookie, uh John that you asked me to look at? The, oh, the Larry, Larry David commercial. Oh, Larry David commercial. Which yeah, one was I forgetting? I saw it. He was like was a different playing a different bu a bunch of uh characters. Uh oh, that was it. good. That, I thought yeah. that was good, yeah, yeah. Larry David is growing on me. <laughs> I swear, you just haven't seen enough Curb, man, because Curb is... I, there's I, so many episodes that are just fucking hilarious, man. That is, and there are bits in these episodes that are hilarious. But as a whole, the 30-minute show doesn't hold up for me because it's the same fucking premise. Larry David is going to say something stupid, and it's that's the thread throughout the show is how stupid he is and the stupid thing situations he gets into that he says and so forth, and that's cool. But man, it's like all right, you know. And now, uh, who's uh, uh, JB Smooth? Yes, he plays Leon. He's the, he should be the star of the show. That, this and guy, he didn't even come on board to season six. Exactly. When he came on board, I said, "All right, this." is a great great fresh uh breath of fresh air uh this guy is hilarious i'd love to see that guy do his own show yeah the way season six ended was so funny because you know he and and cheryl hines in the show his wife at the time they split up during that season and he was married or with loretta black leon's uh sister which was played by vivica a fox mm -hmm. so and of course larry made the joke he's like you being black with the last name black it's kind of odd wouldn't it be like me if i was larry jew and of course they were pissed off about it but at the very end of the way that season ended they did a flash like a picture and it, and it was a christmas card and it said merry christmas from larry and the Blacks," because their last name was black but everyone in the photos black but larry so it's so fucking funny <laughs> there are great fans to, to that show. They're definitely great. All right. Any other commercials that you saw and you were like, they spent $7 million to put this on TV? You know, the one that I thought was so weird mm -hmm. was in the first quarter, I think, 
and it seemed like it was a 60. So it's probably like fucking 6 million or something. Yeah. It just showed this barcode. Oh, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Bouncing around the screen, nothing yeah. else. And then it shows at the end whatever website. And that was that. Mm -hmm. That's it. Do you remember that spot? I remember it. And it was the, the barcode was changing colors and was bouncing around like the old Atari uh, yeah. ball on, on the, that game. Oh. Yeah. And, and I saw a tweet about it. He, uh, I think it was Ken Fang who uh, uh, does the double A team here at the Barroom Network. I think he tweeted out saying, I wonder how many people are um are 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 holding their phones up to their tv sets right now rakeem uh, says that that was coinbase it was for some uh, cryptocurrency thing which by the yeah. way i still don't understand what the fuck cryptocurrency is exchange app you can buy and sell cryptocurrency on coinbase yeah uh, that was an odd commercial but i'm sure it appealed to people who know about crypto so uh um it is what Does it is. Cryptocurrency yeah. seem like something out of a David Cronenberg movie. It's like stuff <laughs> you, can, you, you got a mind for it. It's like a sequence of all these like dream-like numbers. Like it's probably breaking the law. Or That's something. good, dude. I, I agree with you. <laughs> How'd you say that? It feels sinister. It feels like it's like somehow circumventing the law. Yeah, it, it feels like it's circumventing American currency, which. I have all my wealth is tied into American currency. Am I doing something bad here? So I, I don't know. I, I have to do some research into it. But uh, you know what? I'll let my wife do that. She understands Poor that shit a lot better. Uh, the Super Bowl. You know, I I, I could tell you. I could I, I tell you the the way I know the Rams would probably win this game is when when the line was first set for this game, the money line for the Rams was minus 190 and usually like for minus four minus four and a half it's usually like mi minus 220 so you, you knew that like the book set that out there and all the heavies hit that number just rams to win boom they'll mm -hmm. lay ten thousand to win you know uh five thousand one hundred and mm -hmm. uh, uh and also the uh during that game you know the, it looked like the rams uh, pull away from it until odell beckham jr went down with that knee injury then the Bengals were able to get back into the game, but the Bengals, uh, this was the same script that they had followed all, all playoff was falling behind in the first half. You know, mm -hmm. they got behind and then uh, they were able to climb back into it. It made a really good game, but uh, I think if Beckham Jr. had stayed in the game, it wouldn't have been very close. I think uh, the Rams would have covered, but the situation was perfect for you to, uh, play both sides like the Rams to win Bengals to cover. You could have made two separate bets and cleaned up. Uh, um, I didn't, I didn't play Rams to win. I knew Rams would win. I wasn't sure they'd cover. Uh, uh, that was the thing. And then uh, uh, the Rams uh, minus one ninety is like too juicy for me. I'm not going to spend a hundred bucks to win, you know, uh, yeah. you know, 90 or whatever, uh, for, uh, 50, 55 bucks. So yeah, I, uh, I thought it was a little juicy. I played uh, Bengals plus four and a half. That happened to be the right play. But uh, Cooper, Cooper Cup, two touchdowns. T. Higgins, two touchdowns. That was uh, nice if you had those props. Uh, yeah, I had fucking Jefferson winning the prop. Little did I know that he was having a baby. His wife was having a baby yeah. the night before. That, you know, his head clearly wasn't in the game. He had opportunities, yeah. but uh, it didn't happen. I had Joe Mixon over... 24 receiving yards he had five catches you know mm -hmm. how many yards he had no he had one yard oh <laughs> my god was, i thought that was a pretty good bet too 
five yeah. five catches. Yeah. Usually, a figure is going to get twenty five yards on five catches. He didn't have right. he didn't have two yards. The, uh, the Rams just shut, hey, and you, shut down. You and I coach, talked about Joe Burrow, you know, because yeah. you pointed out to me he had like eleven point five rushing yards. And I yeah. said oh, that's, yeah. that's a fucking sure thing. He's going to be running away from that pass rush. He didn't get yeah. fucking eleven yeah, he yards. Did. He he ran one time. That was it. I think he got four yards or something. Yeah. Historically, if you don't mind me interjecting, please. Do. I, I said this a little bit earlier, but it it makes me think of when I was trying to compare it to another game, mm-hmm. and I, you may or may not remember it, but the this Dallas Pittsburgh Super Bowl ten, the the game where Lynn Swan is MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas is ahead ten to seven virtually the entire game until the fourth quarter. And it felt like, and even in that post game, uh, when Brent's on and they have uh, actually Walter Cronkite made an appearance, the prevailing theme of that post game was like, man, Landry kind of set on this lead a little bit too early. And that made me think of that with the Cincinnati thing, because I that was my opinion starting in the third quarter. It's like, ooh, they've gone too conservative. Mm-hmm. And I really think that when they're sitting in the office, and I'm sure they already have, They'll have to kick each other thinking, man, we really – we blew this because this game was ours. So I think if they keep the gas going, man, that game is theirs. They had momentum and everything, and they just shut it down too soon. Mm-hmm. I'm just so glad it wasn't us in that regard because I know how bad I felt and still feel from 15 years ago after losing that game to the Colts and having a 14-6 lead. At least it wasn't us. They lost some of these playoff games this year <laughs> in the playoffs. You know, you'd be so mad if some of these calls were the Bears, like we've talked about before. Like, I can't believe this wasn't didn't happen to the Bears, like the, the thing in Dallas. You know, I got to tell you, that, that Super Bowl game, to me, before the two-minute warning, I said to myself, this has actually been one of the better officiated games. Yeah, they, they missed the calls. I, you know, at, at that point, yeah. I was complaining about – the Jalen Ramsey missed call and the face mask. Yeah. But for the most part, I thought it was a very well-called game. And those officials, I, I got to do a little research and find their names so I can put them in my memory bank. I thought that they, they should be commended. I thought, you know, do John is agreeing. Do you disagree, Dan? No, uh, they gave the Rams like four first downs in that last drive. But, you know, they, they gave the Cincinnati had their chances. Yeah. And they got the ball back, too. I, I do think the officiating seemed a little skewed on that last drive. But I mean, the Bengals still got a chance, and they and they they turned it over mm-hmm. on downs. They they were letting them play, then they tightened it up. The officials in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. but uh, this this comment right here made a huge difference because the missed with, extra point. Yeah, the missed extra point. Vegas won a lot of money on that missed extra point because mm-hmm. all the people who had Rams uh, minus four that would have been a push, and they would have had to you know they would have gotten their money back on their bet. But but that next that missed extra point. All the people that had Rams minus the points lost. So uh, all in all, the the books had a had a good weekend. Mo Beerman has an interesting question. He says, "Asking for a friend." I think he's asking for himself. <laughs> if Joe Burrow wasn't deemed Joe Cool and his name was Grossman, he would be getting crucified. It's not a question; it's a statement. You agree with that, yeah. Dan? <laughs> well, I don't know if he's the reason they lost the game, though. I mean, he took. He had a bad knee injury and came yeah. back. Yeah. You gonna miss a series? Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's not like he was throwing like copious amounts of interceptions or something. 
I mean, Rex had a far worse Super Bowl than than uh, than Joe Burrow. Yeah, against that, that the Colts. The had an awful game in Miami. Yeah, PJ says it was a good officiated game because they didn't make many calls until the fourth quarter. That's a good point, PJ. Yeah, that was by design. Yeah, but to use it like a, a basketball analogy, mm-hmm. like every, you know, in an NBA game, you got to see how the the officials are going to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to uh, give the players a little leeway and stuff? You can't really call it one way until the fourth quarter, though. I mean, you can't, you know what I'm saying? It's more prevalent in the NBA. Right. But to me, to call it a certain way until the, the you know, the, the team has th- their last opportunity, which the Rams did, their one last shot. Okay, well, now we're going to start throwing flags. Mm-hmm. We've called it a certain way until now. I think, but I, either way, the Rams deserved it. The Bengals had their shot. Swanky says, damn, I will never get over the Bears-Colts Super Bowl. I don't even like talking about it. You, you I feel got- you, man. Yeah. I do. I, the Bear, like I said, the Bears had a 14-6 lead, and I I, just, I feel like we should have won. And I, I honestly believe oh, opening kickoff if they pull Rex and like, put yeah. Greasy in in the second half, we win. Uh, yeah. Dan, I, I want to ask you a question. Were, were you rooting for the Rams or Bengals or – didn't care. Any, were you I was rooting for yourself? the Bengals, but okay. I, I like Matthew Stafford, so I'm happy for Stafford. All right. So, uh, you know, the, the the Rams, you know, were built to win this year. They put this together this team. They kind of bought the Super Bowl victory, you know, by buying these expensive players, trading away their future. But you, and this to, is, do you kind of feel like it's another L.A. team buying a championship? You had the Lakers. You had the Dodgers uh, putting together these super teams. Uh, is did it come off at all like that for you? Uh, I guess you could make that that distinction, but I I know a Rams fan, and and I will give her full credit. The reason she became a Rams fan was because uh, she, she's from here, you know, West Virginia. She went to WVU, and she was there when Mark Bulger, if you remember, Mark Bulger yeah. was yeah. the West Virginia quarterback. So he went to the Rams. So she became a Rams fan because. She went to West Virginia, and like I said, Bulger was the guy that she liked. So she's been a loyal Rams fan all these years because of Bulger, and she kept with the Rams. She gets a Sunday ticket. She watches every game. So from Abigail's perspective, she doesn't give a fuck how they got it. She just feels like, oh, my God, this is what I've dreamt about. So putting myself in her shoes, that's the way I would feel. If we got this, fuck it. We got it, man. By by the way, Bulger was one of the six quarterbacks chosen ahead of Tom Brady in that draft. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Bulger had a decent career, though. He did. He did. I mean, he he, he played in a great offense, so uh, it was hard – to, to get, uh, you know, for him not to have at least a decent career. But, yeah, he, he did. He replaced uh, Kurt Warner. Yeah, and, you know, that, that shows you what kind of talent or what kind of man Kurt Warner is because, if you recall, his last season in L.A. was 03 mm-hmm. or St. Louis. I'm sorry, the St. Louis Rams. And, you know, Mark Mike Martz at some point in their playoff game was like, well, I'm going to turn to Kurt now. Mm-hmm. because they were losing or what have you, I think against Carolina. And Warner told him, which would end up being his last game with the Rams, he's like, look, I'll go in. I want to play. But for yours, for the future of this team, the future of this team is is Mark Bulger. You have to stick with him right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And he said, I will go in, but you're doing a disservice to your team by pulling him. Mm-hmm. What fucking guy has the, the, what a great guy Warner is, is what I'm saying. Who yeah. says that? Yeah. You're, no, he is a great guy. He is a great is guy. Conversely, you remember Warner the game in the, in the late seventies, Aldo, that was called the mud bowl between the Rams and the Vikings. I don't recall. No. Well, you should look that up. And whenever at some point, there's just a massive amount of mud. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being Joe Namath's last game, but Pat Hayden is playing. And Namath has said this in hindsight that, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? He, he coached in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knox, Chuck Knox. Mm-hmm. He said Chuck Knox looked at him as if to say, you know, we need you. Can you go in? You know, because he's on the roster. This is why we brought you here, like, to be Joe Namath. And he's, he, basically cowered away and didn't want to go into the game and Knox saw it. Wow. And he said in hindsight, like he regretted that, like he should have stepped up and tried one more time, but he knew at that moment he was done. He was never going to play again. And he didn't want to go in that game. Mm -hmm. All that mud and shit. He didn't want any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a fucking coward. <laughs> hey, Broadway Kobe has a great point here. And I remember uh, Tooch and I went to have our fantasy football draft over at Soldier Field. And we were talking to Alex Brown, who was there as a uh, kind of uh, ambassador hosting the uh, fantasy football. He would leave when he came into our skybox. And he right? wouldn't leave. He, he was <laughs> <laughs> When we first met him, we got there at, what, 11 a.m.? Yeah, we're like, this is awesome. I'm talking to Alex Brown. <laughs> yeah. And he was starting to get a little lit. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think he was lit even before we got there yeah. because he was there at the very start. And it, it, you could tell he came over to us. He had a drink in his hand, and it was not beer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so – we started asking him questions and he was very uh, effusive just talking. uh, And one of the things that we brought up was when Thomas Jones was on the old hundred proof show and and Thomas uh, talked about how emotional he got when he was taken out of the game and then Cedric Benson fumbles and so forth. I brought that up to Alex to get his reaction. And Alex said, yeah, I, I understand how he feels, but you know what? We lost that game, the defense. How could we give up all those yards to guys Russia. like a die? <laughs> That's what yeah. he said. Yeah, and Dominic Rhodes. <laughs> yep. yeah, I yep. wish I was recording. Peyton Manning that. had one throw the whole game when Reggie Wayne, I think it was Daniel Manning's fault on the coverage where Reggie Wayne caught a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the day, he just threw screen passes. And of course, he got MVP because Waterhead was everyone's favorite fucking quarter. Oh, the sheriff, all Peyton. Just <laughs> fuck him, man. Fuck that guy. He had he was allegedly, and I will believe it, on HGH and no one cared. Look at the size of his fucking head. But yeah, we you know we have to vilify Barry Bonds though. Back to Barry Bonds. I, I wonder why yeah, I just you a picture from the North Wall Aldo. You have to see it. All right. Um, <laughs> on my messages. Yeah, you know, just your text. Yeah, just just look it. at it. Okay. This was a playoff game, and this was in L.A. at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. It was raining in Los Angeles. That is amazing. I'll share this with the audience yeah. in a second. Go ahead, Tutu. Yeah, Namath was like, Namath was like, I don't uh, want him in this uh, game. Uh, does anyone know what Mike Martz is doing these days? I was wondering. I feel I feel like he's somewhere eating a big greasy bucket of chicken. You know, as he got he got fat <laughs> towards the end of his uh, coaching career. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Yeah, Martz uh, went on to uh, coach a couple of other places, right, uh, and, and never had the success he had with the Rams. I mean, that team, you talk about striking gold. They made uh, these picks with, uh, you know, the wide receivers that Isaac Bruce and what was the name of the other Torrey guy? Holt. Torrey, Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt. Oh, my awesome gosh. Those guys and Ricky so Prohl, former Bear. Yeah, Ricky yeah. Prohl was a very yeah. valuable to them. Um, yep. Yeah, so I think that had a lot of – uh, re- that was a big reason for for Mike March's success, and I wanted him to come here. Well, Vermeil was the coach when they won the Super Bowl, That's right? Sure. And congratulations to Dick Vermeil. Here is that picture that Dan just sent me. Another um, mud bowl, yeah. Yeah, wow, man! I'm telling you, that is mud. <laughs> Jeez, that's a playoff. That's a playoff game. Minnesota won this game, and like I said, Namath in hindsight has said, "I should have gone in, but I didn't want any part of that, and I knew I was done." Wow. Yeah. Can't blame him. <laughs> Although some of the most fun times I've had as a kid was playing in, in, in conditions like that, you know, and coming home and getting beat beaten by my mom. You wore your jeans out there. You ruined all that stuff. Oh, my mom, I had a good fun. Don't hit me. Don't hit me, mom. <laughs> anyway, um, guys, uh, let, when we get on to the, um, media sound bites it's only 12 and a half minutes long and there's a bunch of topics on here we can discuss it's a potpourri of stuff there's no theme here um and uh if at any point you want me to stop it let me know here it comes it's supposed to be a celebration of devin hester the greatest return man yeah, the first first two on, on the reel here are people talking about Devin Hester not being elected to the Hall of Fame, which is something I want to talk about on the other end of this. Of all time. And when you looked at this class, when you looked at the first-time eligible players, and I think it came down to Devin Hester, DeMarcus Ware, his first-time guys with the possibility of getting into the Hall of Fame. You know, last year we had Peyton Manning, we had Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, automatic, automatic people, you know, and if Devin Hester had been in a in a class like that, I would have understood some of the reservations. But to me, I think it's kind of misguided to not have Devin Hester go into this class. And I know that Hall of Fame voters always like to 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 celebrate their own self-importance, to kind of feel like they are better than the players who actually played the game and be like, oh no, 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 no. You can't be a first time Hall, you can't be a first ballot. Hall of Famer. You got to wait. You got to wait. Listen, you're either a Hall of Famer or you are not. Devin Hester is either the greatest of all time or he is not. He is certainly the greatest of all time. Nobody as a return man has done more to damage, to disrupt, to ruin games and game plans like Devin Hester. Now we can sit there and, you know, we can argue about like, well, somebody had this many touchdowns or that. None of that matters. You know, Devin Hester, 18, 20 touchdowns, I forget what it is, not important right now. Obviously, those numbers are going to be a little bit skewed because at some point, special teams coordinators and head coaches stopped kicking him the ball. And that is really one of the things that we don't talk about enough, that with the Bears teams of that era, how much of an influence he was over opposing teams' game plans. Um, 
you know, last night we were at the Pro Football Hall of Fame press conference, mm -hmm. hoping to see Devin Hester there. Yeah, and and he, and he too. he didn't make it. I, I think it's probably more a matter of when rather than if with him. I agree. Um, but what do you think about his candidacy to get into the Hall of Fame as oh, a specialist? I, yeah, I think I think there's no doubt that he'll be a Hall of Famer one day. I just think first ballot Hall of Famers are you know uh, pretty rare. Um, and I think especially a first ballot special teams Hall of Famer, it would be like really, really rare. Um, and so I think that would be difficult. But he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, and it's just when. And it's probably going to be pretty soon. I don't think you'll have to wait too long. Um, but there was other guys in the queue, you know, and there were other guys that have waited a while. And, you know, and, and that's a process. You know, I mean, I was very fortunate you know, to get in on the senior side um, and, you know, the whole, you know, kind of uh, eligibility thing, I, mine ran out, but I only waited as a senior for two years. I, w I was lucky, you know. The process was a little bit different, but, um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just hard. I remember when Dan Marino talked to me one time and just, you know, talked about the process. I think he was preparing me for not to get in, you know. Um, because that's how difficult it is to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, even like Dan Ham Hampton had to wait too long. Richard had to wait. Yeah, everybody. And you know what? And here's the other thing. The Hall of Fame, there's no difference between a first ballot Hall of Famer and all the other Hall of Famers, right? It's just a designation that people, you guys and other people give to them. But the Hall of Fame has no, no special recognition for first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, so um, it's just I think there's some uh, guys feel like, you know, they their career has warranted a, you know, a selection that quick. You know, I don't know. I mean, look at baseball. I mean, guys wait a long time for yeah. baseball, and you would think just with their numbers they would get in because they put in so few guys every year. So, I mean, it's uh, it'll be a process. But I have no doubt that Devin will be a Hall of Famer pretty soon. Let's stop it right there and talk about this topic before we go on to some of the other ones. Go I've ahead. got a comment already. Please go ahead. The, as much as I wanted Devin in, as much as I think he deserved to be in, just full context, I remember seeing NFL Films footage mm -hmm. with John Madden talking to Cliff Branch mm -hmm. and both of them agreeing that Cliff deserved to make it. And John told Cliff, he said, be patient. You're going to make it. You are a great player. And when you make it, I'm going to induct you. I'm going to be there to induct you. You're a Hall of Famer. I believe in you. Be patient. And Cliff Branch got in the Hall of Fame this year. Guess what? Cliff's dead. Yep. And John Madden's dead too. Yep. So Madden didn't get to give him his induction. Devin Hester's going to get his day. Hopefully, and it looks like likely, he'll be alive at least. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to be fucked around like Cliff Branch was. So that's the only context I can say is that, I mean, because that's so sad in hindsight because Cliff deserved it. And then Madden's gone too. Uh, Hester obviously deserved it, and I know I'm going to piss some people off. I think he deserved it more than even Erlacher. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and, but please, Tooch, share your thoughts. <clears throat> I, I think Adam Rank said it all for me. If you're the greatest at one thing, one uh, position, and Devin Hester was the greatest kick returner of all time, in my opinion. I mean, you could maybe make an argument for someone like Eric Metcalf, who had a ton of touchdowns mm -hmm. and, and kick kick returns and punt returns. But Devin Hester was best I've ever seen. He was he's the greatest kick returner of all time. He should be in the Hall of Fame. That's that's which it. was the argument for so many years for Raymond Guy. Because they yeah. were like, oh man, the punter, no, guy, punter the can, no punter can make it, right? But mm -hmm. everybody said no, Ray Guy was the best of his entire 
like he was the best of the position ever mm-hmm. and it took him forever, but he made it But based upon that argument that he was the best punter for like 15 years, yeah. you know, just over and over and over. So that argument holding water, I agree with Tooch saying that Hester was the best at the position and the statistics bear that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel, um, I feel like Jimbo who I respect enormous, enormously, was totally wrong with his, you know, be patient kind of approach to this. You know, you guys make a big deal out of the first ballot. He deserves a first ballot, and then so many other people deserve first ballots. But keeping it to Hester, the guy was the best at what he did. When games started, that he was the guy the the announcers were talking about before the opening kickoff. He was the guy that they were talking about at halftime. He was the guy that they were talking about after the game, whether he had a great kickoff return or whether he didn't. He was a special, special player, and he should have been acknowledged on that very first ballot. I think the first ballot does matter. I think it it, it 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 sends a signal that this guy there's just, it's a no brainer he should go in. There are going to be guys when Brady retires, and I don't want to compare Hester to to Brady, but I guess maybe I am. But when Brady retires, he's going to be a first ballot guy, Manning first ballot guy. Those guys deserve it for their positions, right? Hester deserves it for his position and the fact that special teams, like Dan said about Ray Guy. Uh, special teams have long been underrecognized by the hall is to me uh, atrocious. They should not do that to a very special part of the game. This, the part of the game that starts games and, 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 and many, many times determines the outcome of a game. Uh, I sent you the stats too. I don't know if you, if you saw this text or not, cause you know, I sent you a bunch of shit, but it actually you, stole it from, uh, from Adam Hogue, yeah, I saw that. which was comparing Richard Seymour's statistics to Mongo McMichael's mm-hmm. and Steve McMichael's stats are like quadruple Richard Seymour's. And he's like this one, the one guy's not even considered for the hall of fame mm-hmm. and his statistics. Like I said, like quadruple what Richard Seymour did in a previous era, no less. It's funny that you're saying that because, uh, Tooch just put up a foster covers, uh, chat room, uh, Comment, uh, question, Dan, Hester should be in. Mongo, look at his numbers, defensive tackle. Didn't he lead the Bears in sacks two or three seasons, Dan? I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Dent- at least yeah, one season. season. He did one season. He had like he 17 sacks one season or 16 sacks. Mongo? I think so. No, he, I don't he think never so. had no, that. I mean, I love Mongo, but I don't think Mongo had 17 sacks. Richard Dent did. Yeah, let me uh, – I'll look at that real quickly, but – yeah, I, I don't know why this is even an issue with uh, Hester, and he definitely should have been a first ballot guy. He should have been in over Richard Seymour, right? Now, even if Steve McMichael isn't like he deserved it more than Richard Seymour. Totally. Maybe, maybe my Packer bias, maybe over Leroy Butler. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, um, totally. Now sacks. Oh my God! In 1984, uh, Steve McMichael had ten sacks. Okay, let me go back. 1983, eight and a half sacks. 1984, 10 sacks. 85, eight sacks. 86, eight sacks. 87, seven sacks. 88, 
11 and a half sacks. Yeah. yeah. 1989, seven and a half. 1990, four sacks. 1991, uh, nine sacks. 1992, 10 and a half sacks. Holy shit, I didn't know he had all these sacks. I don't, I don't remember that. That, that to me, makes Mongo qualified for the next ballot. We should start a hashtag Mongo for the Hall of Fame. Well, the, the Adam Hogue was kind of doing that. Oh, man. And, he, and he, like I said, he, he sent those, yeah. the comparison yeah. stats between Seymour and Mongo, and he's like, yeah, look at these stats, and one of them is not even considered as a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. That is wild. That is fucking wild. Well, speaking of Hall of Famers, we're going to resume our media stuff with Adam Hogue talking to Mr. Richard Dick Butkus. Uh, this from another team uh, friend of mine said that, you know, he, Justin Fields is the, I think, is the answer for the Bears at quarterback. The only problem, they didn't coach him from the day he stepped on the field at training camp to the last game. They never coached him, never coached him up. And I think that's a tragedy. So, so I'm glad they got some new people in there and maybe they'll start working and teach the kids something uh, and take advantage of his abilities along with getting somebody up front so he doesn't get killed. Dick, I'm down here at the Super Bowl and that seems to be a thought that a lot of people have it, that ju- Justin Fields, they everybody likes him and they just don't yeah. think that he was coached well as a rookie. How does that happen? Like, how do you, I, I just, that, that's the hard thing. And I was there during the season. How do you get an answer like that, that you feel so strongly about, and then you just roll Andy Dalton out there and kind of push him to the side. It's just, it, it's hard to understand. That's what I'm saying. The whole deal was so frustrating. You know, okay, we got the coach under Andy Reid. And, and they, look what they did with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> This guy, it's not the same guy, This the, the, the coach. I mean, come on. I mean, if he was – I don't think he had anything to do with the success of Patrick Holmes, to tell you the truth. But how how, how can you get away without uh, without teaching uh, and coaching? That That's what happens when you get to this level. You know, you've proved yourself physically and everything else that you're capable of, of reaching the pros. Now we're going to be honed in by really guys who know the business and the inside of the business to help you. But maybe because of the lack up front, somebody told me, he said, well, they're going to play this kid, uh, you know, early in the season. I said, you know what? The kid's going to get hurt because that offensive line is like, like paper. You're putting, you're letting that kid out there. You're hanging him out to dry, in my estimation. And I got so pissed during the year. It's just guys miss a block and they're right there helping the quarterback up. Give me a break. I'd take my hand if I was him and get out of here. Kick him in the ass. (laughs) Oh, really? It's not just that they got the quarterback right. I wonder if philosophically they did something that, I mean, look, it's a new regime now for the Bears, so I'm not going to hold them accountable for what happened. But they also kind of turned things over to Joe Burrow when he walked in the door. It, It wasn't just hey, here's a guy that can compete for a job. It's, no, 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 yes. he's our yes. quarterback, period. 100%. Yes, you could not, you're so right when you say that. They were, they. he was their guy. We were going to ride it out with him. There's not even a conversation. They're not running around signing Andy Dalton or, you know, whatever. 
Um, and I think that it's a year late, but that's what's going to happen with Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus with Justin Fields. I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to treat him like an actual franchise quarterback, and they are going to design the offense around him. I mean, you even have him being in the room for, hey, I know that we probably need help on the offensive line. Get me my guy, Jamar Chase, and we are going to make things happen. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow hadn't earned that by any means. He hadn't, and he's a guy who's that early in his career, but none of these guys have. You have to, when you draft somebody this high, like they drafted Burrow, and I don't see hardly any difference between drafting Burrow and drafting Fields as far as the commitment you're making. Um, you have to treat them like a franchise quarterback before they're actually a franchise quarterback because they will dictate the next several years of your franchise, whether you like it or not, whether they're fantastic or whether they're terrible, that quarterback that you draft that high is going to dictate your future for the next several years. You have to treat them like they're a franchise quarterback. Obviously that didn't happen with Justin Fields in year one. Hold for a second here, Brad, when he looks at the Bengals and they get to the Super Bowl and frankly had a pretty good chance to win a Super Bowl and they're there because of Joe Burrow and they're there because of Jamar Chase and they were picking fifth overall and certainly the Bears don't have a first-round pick, but they picked the wide receiver over Panay Sewell, the right tackle from Oregon, and they picked skill over strength, maybe the skill possession position player over the offensive lineman. As the Bears build this, do you think that with they try to surround players, uh, surround Justin Field with with talent? How would they surround Justin Fields with of a wide receiver first as a priority, or an offensive tackle? Do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I posed that exact scenario to Ryan Poles after the introductory press conference, saying, you know, you talk about building through the line, are there parallels with what the Bengals uh, accomplished? And the, and the Bengals were just kind of rolling in their in the playoffs at that point. And and what would you have done? And he would point blank said he would have taken the offensive tackle over the wide receiver uh, be, because you know that's his belief in, in building out through the line. He would have gone with Sewell with that fifth overall pick uh, and and not added Jamar Chase to the mix. And and it's interesting. And we'll be able to see how he attacks this thing. Uh, because the Bears have needs in both areas. I mean, they, they've they've got the worst wide receiver outfit in the league right now. I can't imagine someone else is worse than the Bears when you when you look at what's under contract for 2022 and moving forward. And he's already talked about his goal of improving and upgrading the offensive line. So, are you going to find a scenario where you've got an exact Jamar Chase? and an exact uh, Panay Suel, and, oh, by the way, it's the Bears' turn to pick. I, I don't know that we're going to encounter that same scenario for Ryan Poles, and he admitted that if the player isn't there that you're really looking for, sometimes you have to turn to a different position, but he's got to get them significantly better in both areas because you, you just look at uh, the embarrassment of riches that the Bengals have at the skill position uh, outside of Joe Burrow and the pieces they've built around him. And, yes, they have to improve the offensive line. He was sacked seven times in that game. But if they want to get Justin Fields playing, they have got to get 
uh, some talent around him, and they are completely bereft uh, at this point. Hub, I did not know that the Super Bowl MVP vote needed to be in by the two-minute warning of the Super Bowl. I assume you've been to so many. I assume you did know that. Well, they, you know, they changed the way they vote. Uh, I guess it was about five, six, seven years ago, Danny. It, it used to be as simple as 15 selected voters up in the press box. And then they added a fan component, and they're waiting it. And I'm not sure exactly how they're doing it right now. I think it's 80-20. I think fans are 20 and press is 80. So in, in order to be able to have the spotlight and do that immediately following the game, you know, they need a little bit of lead time. And so uh, I, I guess it's that much more impressive that Cooper Cup won the award before that final drive was complete. Well, right. because So Cup's second touchdown happened after the two-minute warning, mm-hmm. and Aaron Donald dominated the last series of the game. So his run stop, uh, the one-arm tackle, and the pressure – on Burrow, on the fourth down play, none of those three plays are factored into the MVP vote. No, apparently not. You know, and and uh, we got to fix this system. Well, yes and no. I mean, even if they were factored in, I still think they got it right. You know, I'd be more concerned if they got it wrong. Uh, Earl Do- Aaron Donald was was quiet for for you know a good part of the game. Cooper Cup uh, hit, hit a low in the middle when they were double and triple covering him after Beckham went down, and then you know the number two tight end Blanton goes down. Um, but in, in, on the front end and the back end, he was dominant, and so. Um, you know, you're right. It, it does lend itself to, well, there's no mistakes. It's a very subjective award, but uh, it certainly lends itself to, you know, this kind of discussion. And it would be nice to fix it. But but then, you know, what do you do? You, you're going to keep everybody on the field an extra 10, 15 minutes to, to get that award. So um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's sketchy, but, but I'm not sure that there's going to be any dramatic move to change it. There you go, gentlemen. Uh, media highlights for this week. Guys, anything stand out to you that you want to comment on? Dan is probably taking a shit somewhere. No, so. no, no. I'm here. I was just, I didn't want to talk over anybody. <laughs> go ahead, Teach. Um, oh, go ahead, well, Teach. Go ahead, Teach. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it. nothing really stood out, I tell you. It's a, we're in this weird time right now between Super Bowl and draft. So it's a lot of, uh, you know, just fluff for now, for me, at least. I don't know if you no saw. Way. Come on. I worked hard to find the, the best sound bites for us to talk about. Nothing stood out. What is, what is wrong with this? <laughs> I'll tell you what stood out to me. It's this whole philosophical question. The very first major acquisition that Ryan Poles has to make. Is it going to be a, a, a specialty player, a, a a guy like Jamar Chase or someone similar, a game-breaking wide receiver to complement Darnell Mooney, or is it going to be somebody to protect his back or another offensive lineman to protect them from these defensive tackles who are hungry for sacks? That, to me, is a huge topic of discussion well, for all of us well, and going to be for the Bears for the next couple of months until the right, draft. That's this weird time we're in. You know, but – that what stands out more to me, and you're, you're absolutely right, but what stands out more to me is how bare the cupboard is. You know, Ryan Pace left Ryan Poles with only five draft picks in his first for his first draft. The salary cap is in terrible shape. Uh, I, I don't think Ryan Poles will be doing much 
uh, in his first season. I, I, you know, uh, it, Ryan Poles was a former offensive lineman, so my lean there would be offensive lineman mm-hmm. in either free agency or the draft. What do you think, Dan? I didn't think that there was necessarily a, a a valid comparison with Cincinnati because the Bears' first pick is going to be in the second round. Number 39. Yeah, and, and that pick was, what, fifth? Their pick was fifth, right, Jamar Chase. Yeah, so it's not necessarily the same. But you could get to number 39 and have that Sophie's choice. You know, do I, we got both of these guys rated about even. A wide receiver that we like for number 39 and an offensive lineman that we like for 39. What do you do? It's not going to be Jamar Chase and Penae Swole, but it will be players, you know, that you could say are are comparable. I think the Bears have, for the last almost 20 years, have just ignored their secondary, specifically the safety position, and their offensive line position for too long now. Mm -hmm. So if you tell me that the guy is going to go with someone that's considered a safe pick, uh, at offensive line, then I'll take it, you know, but James Daniels and Cody Whitehair were drafted high too. And Cody's had a couple of good moments, you know, but he's really fallen off and I wouldn't be surprised if James Daniels is allowed to walk and they were both high draft picks. So it doesn't, it's not a slam dunk either. If we draft the lineman in the second round as, as proven by those other gentlemen, but I, I would go line. Well, and, and let me expand this argument a little bit because James Daniels is going to ask for about $10 million. And so that is a huge investment in an offensive lineman who has not had consistency and an offensive lineman that you might have to move from right guard to center, which is his natural position, a position he played at Iowa. But when he played it in the NFL, it wasn't to at least Mitch Trubisky's liking. Um, so, you know, are you going to invest that kind of money in James Daniels? And then as a caveat to that, David Montgomery's uh, on the last year of his contract and the market value for David Montgomery is anywhere between eight to $11 million for a running back of his status. That's a lot of money for those two players. Or should you just start looking elsewhere? I think it, that Daniels is probably gone. Really? And again, it's yeah. it's the Bears' fault in some situations because he and Cody Whitehair, much like Kyle Long, had to play multiple positions and never really got an opportunity to be comfortable. So part of that is the Bears doing a disservice to them. But uh, having said that, I know he's young. I know that I wouldn't be necessarily disappointed if they did bring him back, but I think he's gone. What do you think, uh, Toot? you think that uh, the – Lineman from Iowa, your neck of the woods is uh, is a goner. Goodbye, James. <laughs> yeah, I I think right. he's too young to give up on. I really do. I, I hate the the fact that we're gonna have to pay him so much money, yeah. but I think the guy still has the 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 chance. I mean, what is he? 23, 24 years old. Still have uh, thinking like he has a chance to be outstanding offensive lineman. You know. I don't know. I can say this, not to switch topics, uh, but to switch topics. <laughs> Super Bowl champion Leonard Floyd. Mm. How about that? Another Ryan Pace mistake. Gave up on a player uh, too quickly. Um, didn't really, I mean, 
prior, you know, prior to that season, uh, in, in Leonard Floyd's first season, Ryan Pace and the two press conferences where he talked about Leonard Floyd, he defended Leonard Floyd. He said, you guys probably don't see all the things that he adds to our defense. The fact that he guards running backs, the fact that he can guard tight ends coming out of backfield, that the fact that he can play multiple positions. Those were all the things that he hyped up. And Ryan Pace was actually right about that. What they were disappointed in is that he did not have double digit sacks, which is what they projected him. He that, But you could have, if you would have been smart about the cap and not pay three quarterbacks, you know, $30 million for nothing. You could have had Robert Quint and Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack, and that would have made the nucleus of a pass rush that would have taken over the league, and maybe we would have started to take over the NFC North on a consistent basis. 2018, we won it. Could have been 19, 20, and 21 if Ryan Pace would have stuck to his so-called conviction about Leonard Floyd. The fact that he gave up on a 25, 26-year-old outside linebacker with all that versatility was just plain fucking stupid. And if you think about it, Pace gave up on Leonard Floyd, Adrian Amos, and Nick Kwiatkowski. All draft picks by the Bears in favor of, you know, again, I, I the mighty Quinn they proved himself last year, uh, but in favor of Robert Quinn and uh, over... You know, Leonard Floyd, Danny Trevathan over Nick Kukowski, and then HaHa ha Clinton Dix, I mean, over Adrian Amos. So you let your own talent go, and as they say, you build through the draft. Exactly. That's a great, great point. And I disagree with Art by Nike saying that Leonard Floyd is a role player that he benefits playing with Aaron Donald. You know what? All the great players benefit from somebody uh, else on the team. You can't do it all by yourself. You need, if you're an outside linebacker, an edge player, you need pressure from the middle so that you can eliminate some of the double teams that you face. You look at the history of football and you will see that all the great players, there was a Robin to their Batman. There was a, uh, you know, think of whatever the analogies are. Mo Beerman says they couldn't afford Leonard Floyd. You know what? They could have afford. There's an old uh, Mike McCarthy, not the, the terrible coach from the Dallas Cowboys, but the agent. He was on the Greg Gabriel show. McCarthy represents a lot of key players in the NFL and some coaches. And he says, and I believe him, totally believe him. If you want a player, you'll figure out a way to sign them. You will move around money. You know, you might have to get rid of a, of a player to open up some space and so forth. You can afford the player. It, it is possible. I, I totally agree with that. And it's not like Leonard Floyd in that after his fifth-year option was up, it's not like he was going to make $20 million that season. They could have constructed a contract that, is would have been actually cheaper than what the Rams are paying him now. I'm not a cap guru, but I really do believe that there were ways to keep Leonard Floyd. Would you say the cap is in good shape though, Aldo, after Ryan Pace? No, I mean, it? It comes from the New I'm Orleans. Just, I'm just asking because 
You're absolutely right. He comes from the New Orleans Saints school of cap management, and they're fucked, which is why yeah. Sean Payton says, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, did I show this to yeah. you guys last, last time? I got my, 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 my calendar, my Chicago Bears calendar, and among the players, <laughs> February is, is Charles Leno. This is a 2022 calendar. 2022 and Charles Leno is the player. Uh, and the first month, January. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. A Rob, knowing that he's he's a, a a free agent, they got him in January. And then if if Charles Leno isn't the be all for February, look at March. They got Anthony Miller. Oh, Jesus. Anthony fucking Miller. So for the first three months, we, and then here, here's who here's fucking Rob, put this calendar together, Don Bird. <laughs> That's good. Uh, then they look at they got Nick Foles for April. Nick Jesus. fucking and and Justin Fields is not on the calendar. Wow, <laughs> Who, or this, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's beyond bullshit. But you know what? Can, I think it's can right you get money back too. <laughs> Matt Forte and uh, Wally Chambers. I would fucking send that back to the Bears organization ask for my money back. <laughs> Maybe Virginia did this. <laughs> I like that big dick Nick Foles. He's got to be in the calendar. Anthony is still on the team, isn't he? <laughs> and Chuck? After April, it starts to start to make sense. But the first four months, it's like, what the fuck? This is t- uh, the 2022 calendar. They must have started printing this in 1986 or something. <laughs> <laughs> they printed it during Club W's. Yeah, exactly. You know? I'm so like glad that's over. Into the future. Oh, my God. You're not a fan of Club Dub, right, uh, Dan? When it seemed organic, <laughs> that was one thing. Yeah. But when you're like in the middle of a six game losing streak and still doing that <laughs> shit like three years later, you know, mm-hmm. come on, man. I agree. I, I, I agree. But, you know, I'll never forget uh, when Shane Marsaw brought it up to, I think it was Josh Woods. And Josh kind of chastised Shane saying, that's our party. It's not for the public. You know, we win a game and we have a 10, 15 minute party celebrating our victory. So I really, you know, you guys really shouldn't be concerned with it. And I thought that was a good response. My um, response to that is uh, I'll use Carmen DeFalco. Mm-hmm. Who is Josh Woods? <laughs> Eric Carmen said that. Yeah. By the He's way, like, I, we didn't know who Josh, we've never heard of Josh Woods. Who is this? <laughs> Like, by, by the way, did you see what Joel E.A. Bunue said uh, on Instagram that he never, Matt Nagy never gave him a chance to be a starting inside linebacker and that he feels he can be a starter in this league? And I'm just throwing that out. Santucci has got, is, yeah. is, is got a grimace. No, I, I, the same thing was said about like they, they put, they moved Dieter Eisland to center, yeah. you know, and they never gave him a chance to, to play, you know, to play over Sam Mustafer, who's awful. You know, uh, that's the thing with Nagy. There were that net people never got chances. You know, there, there's no if if you were playing bad, there was no uh, repercussions like benching, nothing, no another guy to take over. You know, it was business as usual. It was like oh, Nagy at the end, Mitchell I, Trubisky. Yeah, he, he he didn't coach like Dick Buck has said in that in that video. There was no coaching of players mm-hmm. under Nagy. You know, there was no teaching. 
you know, I guess that's what stood out for me the most of the of the sound bites. But uh, what uh, things that are starting to come out now? I think uh, there was a story. Alan Robinson says he was sabotaged by Matt Nagy this last season. Right. You know that all all the dirty laundry is being aired. You know, right. after now that Nagy's gone, and you know, it, you and I have talked a lot about this, all about how we thought. You know, uh, there all this stuff. The dirty laundry was always there. You know, it just it just never came out. You know, we, we talked right. about how the the locker room it was probably disgruntled, but players would say, uh, "Oh no, you know, it's great," you know, uh, and all this. And that's you know the, the the face that they had to put on for the public. But uh, the reality is that uh, this club's in trouble. I, I think a few comments in the chat room were saying, uh, you know, we don't have any cap space. We've only got five picks in the draft. But we, it, it's it's more than a one-year rebuild, rebuild for Ryan Poles. I kind of hate that. I, I, I keep, Every time I say Ryan Poles, I want to say Ryan Pace. I know. Because they're so Me fucking too. close. I might. I, I, I know I'm going to accidentally say Ryan Pace. Yeah. Accidentally one time. Yeah. but uh, Don't say Ryan. Just say Poles. Maybe that'll help. Poles. Yeah. That's what I've been telling myself. Don't but use the you first. You see thing. the on, – on the Bears uh, – uh, uh, YouTube channel and on their app, you know, there's uh, interviews with Eberflus and Poles. They're asking him the dumbest questions. It's like, who's your favorite comic book character? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I don't care. You know? I don't want to care if you love fucking Popeye or Wolverine. Fuck it. I want to know about what you're fucking going to do for the team. Thank you. you know? well, I forget <laughs> those Lawrence Creed or someone asking these fucking questions. I was like, "Come on, this is the this is the the weird part of the season where we're in between Super Bowl and draft, where all this fluff questions come out to you know, Eberflus uh, and and uh, Poles and uh, I think Getsy. The three of them got like the same questions. Right. You know, it was that's Lawrence's job is to kind yeah. of present the more you know. Uh, outside of football portrayal of him. You know, Lawrence should drive James Daniels out of town. <laughs> you know who I always really disliked from the Bears website was Anthony Adams, former Bear player, but I was always like this you like Spice comedy. You know what, Dan? I have to agree with you there. I mean, I think he's okay, but he's I think funny. he tries too hard to yeah. be funny. You know, and some <laughs> of the stuff just isn't to me. He's, he's a great guy. He was a valued player. Um, Cody says, I say, I, I, you say Ryan. If you say. Oh, if you say Ryan Pace three times in a row, he still doesn't show up to speak to the media. Well done, Cody. Um, but I agree with you, Dan. You know, some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that Anthony Adams does is just not funny to me. He's a great guy, interesting personality and so forth, but – to me, he's not as funny as a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah, I think he's way overloved. This is yeah. this is what I'm what I'm what I'm talking about. Where yeah. I, I said last last week that uh, th there's no one to really grade Ryan Pohl's performance, just like there was no one to grade Ryan Pace's performance. It's basically George and Ted right. who are left to grade whether Ryan Poles or Ryan Pace does a job. Ryan Pace was obviously left to his own devices. Now look at the horrible situation we're in with no draft picks, a, a bad offensive line, no money uh, to sign free agents, no play, not a lot of players under contract. I think although you said last week that there were only 28 players under contract. Right. We have to fill out a whole fucking roster. Whole you need fucking 25 well, at least. The cap should go up. The, tax, the, the cap is supposed to go up. Fine. But uh, we're still in bad shape. We've got Mac and, and Quinn 
and uh, uh, a bunch of players making, you know, the majority uh, uh, or at least a large part of the cap space is devoted to a few of these players. And like, uh, what's this? Foster said, uh, we're still playing. We're still paying Charles Leno. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, because there's a mess that Ryan Pace left for these guys. You know, I, I think and, he failed math in school. Yeah, definitely. I I would love, you know, I I believe that the NFL should eventually become much more of a reality TV show. And what I mean by that is the interviews that they had with coaches and GM, I would pay whatever I pay for HBO, whatever I pay for Showtime, whatever I pay for all this other fucking shit where I get this fucking huge ass bill every month, I would pay more to have that video available i want to hear what these gms and coaching candidates said during these interviews because whoever walked in there and said i'd like to start off by saying ryan pace really fucked you guys (laughs) i mean he spent your money like a fucking Uh, drunken democrat sailor on leave uh, way too much fucking money and got very little in return if somebody would have walked in and said that i would have immediately said okay he's a finalist (laughs) he's a finalist yeah so would i you you and i would both be you're doing the same thing. The guy that fucking comes in and say, mm-hmm. say tells us how tells Georgia Ted how badly the last guy fucked him is the yes. guy that would get the job. Yes, and then yeah. and then if he adds on, you know, uh, the biggest mistake that Ryan Pace did it wasn't the mismanagement of money it was his hiring of coaches. Now I know that John Fox may have been pushed upon him, but when you guys let him make his own choice, Matt Nagy. You chose a guy who was going to come in here and run the offense, but really had no big time experience calling plays and was adamant about calling plays. It's like, look, this is not fucking Fucking, video games. Exactly. Matt Nagy. I'm convinced that the only reason Ryan Pace fucking hired Matt Nagy is because their wives got along. I've said that. I've said this for years. The story came out that, oh, my. You know, Ryan Pace said our wives really got along and went out to dinner. Who cares? The wives yeah. are not calling fucking plays. Yeah. You know, they're not. Or are they? Maybe they were. I don't know. <laughs> Please. Do I that. still think. I. I mean, you. I mean, I'm not saying that your debate isn't worthy of of airtime. Don't get me wrong. I. I just think, man, I take the opposite approach and say, let's give Ryan Poles an opportunity to fix the mess. The mess, man, let's turn the fucking page, man. And these guys are gone. I'm so glad Nagy and Pace are gone. We got what we wanted. Let's be fucking happy. 2022, let's go. I understand that, but I like to complain. I've been married a long time. Dan, Aldo and I are I have been watching the fucking Bears do the same fucking shit for exactly. years. And then, now we, we hired another Ryan. We hired another years, fucking man. For real, so... Yeah, but Dan, you've no, been know, walking but... over 35. Doesn't this ar- aggravate you? I mean, you you and I have had these talks that you, you feel like, you know, you're devoting so much to this team and you may never witness them have a, a win a Super Bowl. And, and you talk to me sure. about how upsetting that is for you. Yeah, like, yeah uh, sure. But uh, that's not to say that Ryan Poles and, and Eberflus aren't going to give us 
their best shot. I hope yeah. it ends up being it, it a win. We're just re- we're just reflecting on the recent past. That's all. But, but I'm but, just glad that Nagy and Pace are gone, especially Nagy. But but Dan, do you, do you, we, I mean, we, all I can say is if you if you the, the negativity in me says more than likely I won't get my shot. But it, you know it, it's like if you I don't know if you just want to sit around and. And complain so much about it, then Isn't you it, can always bandwagon it and stop. Oh, oh, we're, we're not complaining, Dan. We're we are prognosticating in a negative way, perhaps. But this this is priceless. <laughs> While I'm watching the game on Sunday, and Dan is sending me text after text after text. Ninety nine percent of them are negative. One the fuck is no, Mac Sunday, gonna... I, didn't, I didn't text you during the Super Bowl. No, no, no. When the Bears are playing during, during the season. season. Yeah. When when is fucking Kilo Mac gonna make a play? <laughs> you know, this fucking Nagy, he sucks. And you're right it, with all your opinions or most of your opinions. You're absolutely right. But you were playing that negative blame game during the season. And so we're doing it now in retrospect. Okay. I just want to ask Dan if he doesn't. If do, <laughs> do you believe in omens? Because do you think it's not a bad omen kind that we hired another Ryan P and a Matt? I mean, yeah, the same that's, structure. That's... I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't. Rock, know, Davis, kind of a bad sign. Rock Davis says, yo, Dan, I'm with you. Let's go. All right. So let's go. Let's talk about uh, the present. I've got some sound bites here from the new coordinators. And I got to tell you, I am fucking impressed with them, at least what they presented of themselves and their ideas at the press conference last week. Uh, so we didn't get a chance. I think it, this happened the day after we were on, which is why didn't, we didn't talk about this last week. So let me uh, play a few sound bites from them, and then we can discuss how, you know, why we should feel optimistic about this. Let me start with Luke Getze and him talking about building an offense Based on player strengths, what a fucking novelty. What a great idea. Too bad Matt Nagy never thought of this. This is Luke Getze. The beginning of this thing, when we tried to establish that identity, or, you know, we're, we're established a culture first, but then we're going to dive into this identity, right? That's going to be driven by the personnel, the coaching staff, and we're going to become something. There's not one specific answer to that right now. Um, we have to dive into what everybody does best, right? And it starts with the quarterback. Right. This is a quarterback driven offense. So the things that the quarterback position does well, that's going to be the driver of who we are. And then we're going to marry that to what the other guys on the football field do well. I mean, that's the that's the purpose of the offense coordinator. Right. To to dive into what the people do well, what they do best, and then and then uh, build the the, uh, the offense around that. Dan, when I hear that, Dan and John, when I hear that, I think back to the Bears in the way they treated Mitchell Trubisky. I'm not a big Mitchell Trubisky fan, but they did nothing. They did very little, I should say, to accommodate his strengths. They forced Mitchell Trubisky to play this Matt Nagy offense, which still nobody can define what exactly that fucking offense was. He played better under Dowell Loggins, for God's sakes. Yes. Good point. Good point. So uh, What I thought of immediately was that the game against the Chargers when Matt Nagy said, oh, you didn't bring me here to, to run the I formation. Yeah, classic, classic. So I thought Luke was saying that we don't know what we're going to have yet, and when we figure that out, we'll play to their strengths. 
And, and that's exactly right. He, you know, he went at length of talking about the, this assessment. First and foremost, they want to build this culture. He, he, he talked about in his meeting that he had, uh, he talked about at the press conference that he had a meeting with the offensive coaching staff and they talked about the philosophy. This is our offense. This is, we're going to build it based on concepts. And then once we start evaluating the players that we have, we're going to take those concepts and fit them into player strengths. Let's uh, let me let uh, Luke Getty talk more about that. No, listen, the, 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 the passion that I have for this game and the, um, the passion to take the reins was something that is just, it's, it's deep inside me. I think, you know, playing the quarterback position uh, growing up and having that, you know, being, you know, the leader of the offense, uh, you know, playing it through college and then getting a couple opportunities, like you said, in the college level to take the reins of an offense and be the play caller. All of that stuff is just in me. It's what I love. It's the passion. And these last couple of years, you know, uh, Matt's been great. Uh, up and uh, Coach LaFleur has been great in giving us opportunities to do that in the preseason. And so, like, those are just things. You, you, once you once you touch it, man, you're just like, this is the passion that I have. It's not just a, whatever can, can become out after it. It really isn't. This is just the passion that I have to be able to have an opportunity to lead men and, um, and, and help guide this thing and be a part of something. This, I really don't view this thing as just going to be Luke Getty's offense. It's a, you know, what was mentioned before, this really isn't going to be that. Okay, this is going to be a collective group doing this together um, that we're going to build something that's going to be our own. And so I just have a passion for being uh, involved in that. I really do. And so um, I'm super excited about this opportunity, the group of men that we got together in this coaching staff. I mean, th these men, they, 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 they all bought into that. Like I, I, I laid it out for these guys on this offensive staff that this is, this is the mindset that we want to have, that we want this thing to be ours. This isn't going to be somebody else's or a copycat of somebody else. This is going to be ours. Like we all have our experiences and we're going to put them together and we're going to build this thing together. I love that. I fucking love that. Yeah. I, I want to have sex with him. He's, he's the guy I'm most excited about to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I know that the word collaboration has, has become a dirty word here among Chicago football fans. But the way he is using that word and the way he's using that concept makes total sense to me. The way Ryan Pace used it was as an ex as an excuse. He was saying, John Fox and I never collaborated. You know, I wanted Trubisky. He wanted Watson. I, I kept them in the dark on the draft. Uh uh, as to who we were picking because I didn't want to get into an argument with him. He was afraid to get into an argument with his head coach on who they should draft. That to me, and I've said this on the show before, and I apologize for echoing it, he's a coward. Ryan Pace was a coward for taking that approach. Luke Getze is immediately telling us that he is going to build an offense that is based on the collective wisdom of the staff that has been assembled and the talents of the players on the roster. You can't get better conceptual thinking than that. Absolutely not. You just sold my point from five minutes ago. You, I know I did. <laughs> I'm fucking excited about 2022. <laughs> you should I'm be, so happy that Nagy's gone that I don't, I don't feel the need to be negative right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mr. Negative is, I mean, uh, no, Mr. Negativity was Dan Weederer. But during the game, like you said, I'm calling out Nagy's just awful play calling or 
like Khalil Mack, like just not earning his money and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, but right now I'm happy, uh, at least at the thought of, you know, something good on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, and of course, none of this means anything if they don't have the players, right? And so that's why Ryan Poles, this is his time of the year. He has got to build a fucking roster that, you know, right now there's what, some 30 players on the contract. So he's got to sign uh, 60 players before (laughs) camp. You, You go to camp with 90 guys. And he's got limited funds. Everybody talks about, oh, they got $40 million in cap. No, you that's not a lot of money when you when we're talking about there's so many starters you need to sign, and then you need to to build some depths and so forth. So I hope and and one of the, one of the things that I am encouraged by, what I am confident is that Ryan Pace did leave behind a pretty damn good scouting department. Evidence of that are these guys that were picked up in the middle rounds because that's where your scouts, your regional scouts really shine. If they can come to you and say, hey, uh, there's a wide receiver named Darnell Mooney that you really got to take a look at the tape on. You know, finding him, what was it, fourth or fifth round, Darnell Mooney? I mean, that is encouraging. Those guys are still here. And so hopefully they've got another great draft in them because if they do, then they'll continue on helping Ryan Poles develop this team. If not, then it's bye-bye and Ryan Poles will bring in his own people. Dan, you, you sound upset, man. No, no, I'm just, I'm very tired. I know. You uh, but no, I agree with you. By uh, the like way, that's... Dan, can you share that story about what the game that you were working on prior to our podcast you were covering a game and the score was tied at the first quarter, a basketball game. It was tied. Yeah. Shit, it was like, tw- it was like 21 all. And then in the second half, uh, it was like a 45 point deficit. It's just something <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Is Nagy coaching the other team? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, the, all jokes aside, uh, you know, if, even if you have inferior talent, think about it. Everyone said that 94 Bears had inferior talent, and we still made it to the second round of the playoffs. And Wani should have been coach of the year that year, and we upset Minnesota in the Metrodome after they had beaten us twice in the regular season, albeit once because of a Butler missed field goal, but okay. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, even if you have, like, you're short on talent, if you have good coaches, you can still win with that. Sometimes you can coach them up or like you have Matt Nagy when you have better talent than, you know, but you can't coach at all. And the team's not with you. Mm-hmm. Very true. All right. Let's listen to a little bit uh, from our new defensive coordinator. Oh, no, no. I got one more Getsy uh, soundbite that I would love to share with you guys. Uh, Dion Miller uh, asked Get the you know know that uh, you probably don't know Justin Fields very well, but what can you tell us about him? And Getsy shared this. I got an opportunity to interview him during the combine stuff last year. That process, super impressed with the man, the person. Um, you can feel the determination, the will inside of him as he was communicating to me. He was super sharp with what they did at Ohio State. Um, and then just again, just a brief conversation that we were able to have together here the other day, the same exact thing just jumped back out at me again. So um, 
I'm looking forward to getting to know him deeper, obviously, but I'm, 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 I'm very optimistic about the type of person that he is. And um, I think the will and the desire that he wants to be a great leader too. So I think it's a really cool opportunity with a young guy who, who, who I think has a, a really good drive. Um, I'm encouraged by how he described his relationship with Justin Fields. You know, after that uh, first press conference with uh, Poles and Eberflus, we talked then about how it, it seemed like, man, they, they, they weren't very effusive with their praise of Justin Fields. I wonder if they really like him. Well, uh, Luke Getzey made it pretty obvious. They have really high hopes for Justin Fields. I do wish that in hindsight that they would have said something, although Luke wasn't at that original press conference. I agree with your assessment. And, you know, but I said it at the time, maybe the fact that Fields was there and in participating in that press conference was the Bears organization saying, hey, this is our guy. But they had a couple of times to wrap their arms around him with answers and didn't. Mm -hmm. So it is refreshing to hear the offensive coordinator say, no, fuck, this is our guy. You know, like, I want to hear that. Yep. And and I'm fascinated by that whole process of, you know, Justin Fields, we've seen what his talents are. And, and watching him at Ohio State, we know that he it, uh, has great deep ball accuracy. We know that if he doesn't find a secondary receiver, that he, he can do some phenomenal things with his legs. We know that, um, he can be pretty accurate with his passing. So building an offense around th that skill set, uh, to me, is going to be fascinating. Now we have to learn who is he going to be throwing the ball to other than Darnell Mooney, which we know he's got a great rapport with. That's encouraging. The whole fields to Mar uh, Mooney, if this thing works out correctly, I can see Darnell Mooney catching 85-plus passes in this upcoming season. But he needs that big, wide-winged uh, wide receiver that Allen Robinson should have been last season. He needs that to complement Darnell Mooney. And then we need third and fourth wide receivers who've got speed to open things up. Uh, so, again, uh, Ryan Poles has some work to do. All right, guys, I got more. I got Allen Williams, a defensive coordinator, uh, this is a question about his experience when he was at Minnesota. I kind of cut into the middle of it uh, because I thought this was interesting. Uh, I've had the chance to be in a few uh, few different systems. So now you're bringing uh, to the experience that I had uh, in um, in that other team. <laughs> and uh, and now you, you have uh, the experience of different coverages, the experience of different fronts, the experience of different techniques, and then just the do-over. And I won't say uh, exactly what I'd like to do over, but you you learn from your mistakes. You learn the things that you did well, and you um, and you take those things and you put that in a bucket. And you say, take these things forward, and then um, uh, ultimately you uh, you try not to dwell on the past, and you you move forward, and um, and you 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 try to be self aware and evaluate yourself in a very um, in a systematic way without being too hard or, or too lenient. And, um, and you take those experiences and you try to improve. Dan, I just realized it's 1026 here in Chicago. That means you've got four minutes left. Yeah, I got to go. I was Fuck. thinking the same thing. Uh, but yeah, the, the, both the coordinators sound um, that, you know, they're saying things that I would want them to say. 
what bumps me out, Dan, is that we <laughs> neglected to get to our Super Bowl games that we uh, have enjoyed watching in the past, uh, the game. So I promise you we'll get to that uh, in, on our next show. Um, we've got five minutes left with you, Dan. Do you want to share anything? you want to talk about anything in a movie that you watched, a woman that you had sex with? <laughs> the light, the light, turn on the light bulb. There it is. <laughs> Dan, tell us about what happened on your Valentine's Day date. Yeah. Oh, well, I saw the, uh, the um, you know, you know me, I'm Mr. Romantic. So yeah. uh, I watched the new screen movie for and, Valentine's Day. And did you make right. your screen after the movie? <laughs> I, I did get laid. Um, yes. Yes. Several times over the weekend. <laughs> several times. Several times. No wonder and, uh, I didn't get a text from you. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit busy, I guess you could say. <laughs> So but yeah, it was uh, it was a good weekend. I sure. can tell that you're into this woman because you're not sharing a lot of details about this. Well, I you know nothing is beyond uh, early stages of just whatever you know. But the point is, I don't know her well enough to know what she once said or, sure. or not said. You Absolutely. know that kind of thing. So uh, I don't know. I got laid and it was fun. I don't know what else to say about it. You know? I, I I totally understand that we have to respect the woman's wishes, which is why you know not wishes, but or just respect her. Period. Which is why we, we won't talk about it unless, if, unless she wants to come on and, and share some details. But what I will say is I have fantasized about what you did all, all week. <laughs> and, and it resulted in the biggest ejaculate of my life. So, um, wow. So you, you definitely have, have had an influence on my life, Dan. <laughs> well, I, like, I had a good weekend. So, you were good. yeah. People in the chat room are saying, oh, that's why he's so tired. Yeah. <laughs> it is in part because my sleep pattern got flipped over the weekend. You know, I was up early multiple days and I just, fuck that just that makes me so tired. So, yeah, that is part of it. You what know, else got flipped? Were you flipped and were you were you on the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, during that, uh, there was uh, multiple times where I was on the bottom. Yeah, because uh, yeah, they drive the car the best, you know. Yeah, but I, what I was wondering were you on the bottom, ass up, tits to the bed? No. <laughs> you ever been penetrated by a dildo, Dan? Never, not once. Never had a a, a fantasy about it. Nah, I don't really have a thing about about dicks or something, you know. Well, Tooch does. <laughs> I, I, I try to avoid that part of the body. <laughs> well, unfortunately, gentlemen, I, I got to go. Gotta oh, go man. Job, so. Now you're going uh, to work, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, before I go, I, I, I will say, have you seen the trailer for the Los Angeles Lakers early 80s called Winning yes. Time? On yes, HBO? it's a fabulous trailer. By the way, but before, yeah, before you go, Riley. people want to know, was, was Scream good? Yeah. You know, it was. I didn't expect a whole lot. And the others are like all, you know, okay. I don't love them. I don't hate them. They're just kind of just okay. They're like Dick Jerron. You can't really like love him as your coach, but he's okay. But the, the new one was was as good as it possibly could have been. I would say Arguably, it was the best of the whole series. Wow, that's good. When the first one came out, I said, wow, this is clever, clever concept, well-executed. 
good young actors and so forth. And, you know, the, the rest of them afterwards, were they were entertaining, but they weren't anything out of the box. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this one to see if they've added anything, new twists and stuff like that. Did they? Can, can you? Share that. Yeah, with I don't want to. Uh, do you want? I, mean, I don't want to give you spoilers. I can if you want. Give me one spoiler that you will. A you big will spoiler or not? Something that I, I, I will say this without telling you. Who. Okay. Good. One of the legendary, and not that they're legends, but within the context of the film, mm -hmm. a legendary character of the series dies. Oh wow! I won't oh, tell you who. Wow! I hope it's Courtney Cox. <laughs> that's what howard stern would call her <laughs> well uh, on that note unfortunately i gotta go all right go drive carefully save some lives and uh you and i will be texting each other during the week and i can't wait for next week's show where we're going to go in depth into some of our favorite super bowl games sounds great to me okay brother bye dan see you later. be well see you later and then there were two john santu yeah although i got some bad news though Oh, no. What happened? So I was at work uh, last week, and uh, unfortunately, they had some layoffs. Oh, you know, no. New, uh, no, I'm still there. But uh, it was because they're they're uh, turning a bunch of magazines to digital only. And one of them, uh, April will be the last issue of Entertainment Weekly, mm. published uh, print magazine. Oh, really? So, yeah. So this is uh, oh. different. I've got a lot of work to do on, you know, at least for uh, uh, finishing this one up, you know, shorthanded and, uh, uh, con you know, coming up with a better process for uh, doing what I do in a digital environment. So there's no, you know, loss of image quality or color. Right. So. Well, I'm glad you still got a job. I am uh, disappointed. Entertainment Weekly was has been yeah. one of my all time favorite magazines yeah. for years. It helped me keep pace with what was happening in culture worldwide you know when you get to, to be my age you don't listen to the radio or you know, not the radio but you don't you stay on top of contemporary music as much as i did when i was younger and the same thing with movies and so forth and so entertainment weekly which was a weekly magazine would arrive and I, i'd read it while i was taking a shit and then i, I was on top of whatever was happening uh, culturally and then they moved it they moved it to a, a, a once a month publication. I was very disappointed and I knew the day was going to come or that piece of paper that yeah, I almost wiped my ass with one time when I didn't have any toilet paper and I was reading yeah, it yeah. and not because the publication was bad, but because I just needed some toilet paper. I yeah. almost wiped my ass with it, but I didn't. Nonetheless, it, it appears now that it, the publication now is headed towards the shooter. Yeah, uh, to answer Stephen's question, I work for the world's largest magazine publisher, which is Meredith Corporation in Des Moines. Mm -hmm. We were recently bought by Dot Dash, which I believe was the company that started Match.com, so mm -hmm. a big uh, uh, digital, uh, uh, what do you call it, social media company, bought uh, our company, and they decided to go uh, uh, digital only on a, on a bunch of titles. So, But I'm a quality and control uh, analyst. This is asking, are you in graphic design? Yeah, I was uh, for a long time, graphic design, you know, uh, print media, publishing, advertising, marketing, a bunch of stuff, long, long career. Mm. I started this career in 94, I think, 93. Mm. You're one so, of the best at it, man. Thank you. Um, sorry, sorry all, all those way better than me, though, folks. 
that what he no the fucking video way. and the design is always just no no way i am a master of a lot of, no well, i'm a master graphic of design people are here all those up here yeah for real no, no way video, video and design yeah once in a while i'll come up with a good design but the, the vast majority of my designs are like this fucking looks like 1980 PowerPoint, although, yeah, I know. That's my inspiration. <laughs> All right. I want to get back uh, to Alan Williams at that press conference. Yeah. This was a really cool Thanks sound. Thanks for telling me his name. I didn't know his name. I, I was still I know. Like, <laughs> I know. I every, like, time I, every time I say any of these names, it, there's a thought in my head I, saying, did I get it right? Did I get it right? <laughs> I was afraid to be like, Tooch, what do you think of the new defensive coordinator? Uh, do, you, do you even know his name? I would have had to been, no, I fucking don't know his name. God damn it. What happened to Sean Desai? <laughs> the, one of the things that I'm really impressed of with Alan William, Williams and Luke Getze is that they both of these guys sound like they got it together. They sound so yeah. smart and confident in what they're saying. I, I find them very, very likable. It's the first time, yeah. in my opinion, that we've had an offensive and defensive coordinators that I am like saying, this is looking good. So Williams was asked about what kind of a stamp he wants to leave on this defense. My stamp is going to be the, the way we run to the ball and the way we hustle. You know, there it comes up again. That That's going to be my stamp. Uh, but the true stamp is going to be uh, to allow the players do what they do well. So, you know, I may come in here and say, hey, um, I love uh, zone coverage. And our guys may, may be phenomenal man coverage players. So, you know what? We're going to play man. And if I come in and I go, hey, we're going to be a four down, and I go, hey, uh, an odd front is what we do best, or this guy two gap two gaps the best. We're going to two gap, and so when uh, ultimately we're going to play with you know again we're going to play hard, we're going to play smart, we're going to take the ball away. But there are many different ways of uh, uh, of doing that. So you what you'll see is the team that wins the Super Bowl. It has some different characteristics every year on offense and defense. There's no real one way to skin a cat. So it would be uh, remiss if I just said, you know what, I'm bringing in my system and it's going to be my stamp and it's going to be my, 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 my. Nope. Uh, that, that, that's not a good thing. It's going to be our. It's going to be our defense. It's going to be our decisions. It's going to be our guys. It's going to be a collaborative effort. And, you know, I, ultimately I, I have to make a decision because I'm the defensive coordinator but I'm making that decision based on what our guys do best. And so if, if you take the attributes of what your guys do best and you accentuate those, those qualities, you, uh, you allow guys to do what they do best, the product is much better than, than, than sticking a, you know, uh, uh, a round peg in a square hole, so to speak. I, I love this guy. I mean, yeah. again, the philosophy, you, you play to your player, you coach to your player's strengths, right? So, I mean, how can you go yeah. wrong with that type well, of thinking? Yeah, you know, uh, the last regime could have learned some things from this guy, Luke Getze, just like all the things we've been telling them that the Bears should do. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they're getting back to the loafs, which is great. You know, the, Love it. the consequences and repercussions we talked about for, for mm -hmm. players that, you know, that just not performing mm -hmm. and then uh you know luke getsy tells you the same things about how we want to use formations you know to set up a, a place in the future down the line you know and playing to player strengths which is something that like maggie never did 
You exactly. know, it's like, like, like you said, Nagy, Nagy was like a Madden uh, player, Madden video game player that came mm-hmm. in and uh, uh, coaching was like a secondary, secondary job or responsibility for him. He just was here to call plays, you know, because he loves Madden or whatever. He thought he was in a video game. You know, he was a, he was a play calling junkie. He couldn't yeah. give it up even when people were telling him, you know, you just focus on coaching part and let your offense, you have an offensive coordinator, you know? Yeah. So, I love the way you put that play calling junkie. And I would add a pass play calling junkie. He yeah. just always wanted to throw the ball. By the way, Hair Bear wants to know, wait a yeah. minute. Then I what did Pablo wipe with? <laughs> there's no toilet paper. There's only entertainment weekly magazine. Well, the secret's out. I would either, if my wife was home, hey, honey, even <laughs> toilet paper. And if she wasn't home and none of the kids were home, I would scramble to, to get the toilet paper from the closet, <laughs> from the linen closet. That's true story. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got one more uh, soundbite from our man, Alan Williams. And I think That's this is really name. important, you know, um, because his name is so forgettable. <laughs> he's got to do something first so before i remember his name man I'm telling you. it yeah, sounds like a movie him. composer you know <laughs> who was the movie composer that did uh star wars wasn't that alan williams <laughs> yeah it's it's like the name that is used by directors when they want their name off the credit you know alan, <laughs> alan smithy Exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to be uh, uh, known. He wants to be an anonymous defensive coordinator. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Hopefully that doesn't, uh, that's yeah. not true. We know that's not true. Um, all right. So one of the stars of this defense, people who are talking about, I saw in the chat room earlier, you know, what is Roquan Smith's trade value? Nothing. Yeah, You're not going to trade Roquan Smith. He is one of the three key players of this defense that Eberflus and Williams are bringing to the team. It is that will a uh, weak side linebacker. It is the tech three, the uh, three tech defensive lineman who may or may not be on the roster. A lot of people are hoping it will be Bilal Nichols. And I think while he could play that play, that, that position, he's not going to be Tommy Williams. He's not going to be Aaron Donald. We need somebody at that level to play that position. And so that's on polls to find that guy. And then the third guy that they added because of the, how offenses have changed over the last few years. It's not the middle linebacker or the free safety. It's the slot corner. And I agree with that so much. We are seeing Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and all of these star receivers lined up in the slot. And yes, you can move Jalen Johnson to move him around and so forth, but that's going to limit what you, you can do. You need a slot cornerback in this NFL that can guard the elite wide receivers because that's going to be called for. So back to Allen Williams, he was asked about uh, comparing Roquan Smith with the guy he coached at the weekend side linebacker uh, um, at, with the Colts, uh, Darius Leonard. So this is Alan Williams talking about Roquan Smith and Darius Leonard. Yeah, uh, production. Uh, both guys are extremely productive. Uh, both guys are uh, athletic. Uh, both guys, um, they you can tell they like football uh, by the way they play. You when you go when you look at the tape, um, you don't have to be a, a football aficionado to go. You know what? The way that dude plays, he likes ball. Uh, Roquan likes ball. Um, 
Roquan loves ball. Uh, and, and when you have a guy that loves ball and you're as smart as he is, and I remember him coming out of the combine, um, even as a, a defensive backs coach, um, his reputation preceded him. So he was a guy that said, um, hey, he's quick twitch. He's fast. He's instinctive. He's a leader. So when you have a guy like that, um, that's a guy that you want in the middle of the field. And that's a guy that um, uh, that you're looking forward to um, getting to know that you're looking forward to coaching. There you go. Um, was he, he was on the Colts, I take it, right, under Eberflus or not? That is correct. Uh, Darius Leonard, I was actually at the Senior Bowl when he played in that game, and he had a sensational game. I believe he was the defensive player of the game. DJ Shark was the offensive player of the game, uh, who yeah. is a free agent this season, and I would love it if the Bears targeted DJ Shark. There's some concern yeah. about his health, you know, staying uh, 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 healthy. But the guy's got the tools. I think he would be a nice compliment to a Darnell yeah, he's got size. He's like yeah. six four. Right. And right. and Darius Leonard was just shining, man. Yeah, he was shining. Okay. And I remember talking to him and uh and they brought him out to talk to the media members. And I remember talking to him and I said, dude, it looked like you were having such a good time out there. And I remember I talked to him twice before the game and then after the game. Oh, your green screen just fell. Yeah. Um and I, before the game, I said, are you upset that you're not being go. allowed to blitz in the senior bowl? He goes, oh, man, I want to blitz. I want to get that quarterback and so forth. And then he had the phenomenal game. And so I, I, I sought him out and I said, Darius, you know, you didn't get a chance to blitz, but it's not like you needed it to show. And he was like, yeah, thanks, man, for remembering that. And he was just an outstanding player. That guy is a stud. And Roquan Smith can now, I think, ascend – to that level of linebacker that is going to capture the adulation of the entire NFL community. Everybody wondered, why isn't Roquan Smith a pro bowler? Why wasn't he even he considered for the pro bowl? And actually he was. I think he was a third stringer on the, on the pro bowl team. And so I think that this defensive coaching staff is going to really open up what Roquan can be and it's going to be because of the position and because of the philosophy that these these defensive co coaches have. So I'm really excited about Roquan Smith, not just for 2022, but beyond, because I'm positive they're going to sign him to like a $90, $100 million contract for eight, nine years, and he's going to be a stud for the Bears for a long, long time. Yeah, Will Williams was on the Colts coaching staff too? Yeah, uh, Allen Williams was the uh, – the what, it linebackers coach or something. Dave Borgonzi was a linebackers coach. Okay. Uh, Williams was, I forgot what exactly what the title was, uh, but yeah, Williams comes from that Colts school. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, look at the stats of the Colts. That defense, you know, the Bears were ranked better. Don't go by that. You got to look at the tape. The, these stats can be very, very misleading about how good defenses are. You got to account for the fact, like the Bears defense is a perfect example. We know this Bears defense well. Do you think this Bears defense would have been ranked better statistically if they would have had an offense that kept them off the field? You know, so there's all these nuances involved when you're evaluating things and to to just look at stats is not uh, an advisable way. Broadway Kobe says uh, he was a safeties coach. Thank you, Broadway. Okay. Yeah. 
By the way, Kobe, I think is new to the uh, to the scene here. I don't remember that moniker or remember seeing it often. So uh, if you are a first timer and anyone that's a first timer, welcome to the show. Stephen Nagishi says uh, that Ali Williams was a defensive corner under Leslie Frazier in Minnesota. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. And his experience there, along with its work with Leonard, will be terrific. That's right, yeah. He, he said that first off. He said he was in Minnesota. That's right. And he referred to it as that other team at one point <laughs> during his soundbite. So I'm really encouraged by these uh, two coordinators. I didn't get a, a, an opportunity to uh, select a, a soundbite from um, our uh, – a new special teams coordinator, Hightower, but I did listen to a portion of his press conference and he sounds equally impressive too. And, and I, and I think that during that press conference, he, he basically said, you know, special teams are as good as the players that you have. And that's true. You know, you, when you're building a squad, sometimes you're going to select a player who is better at special teams than maybe a pass catcher or a guy that can play inside linebacker or whatever, yeah. because you just need good special teams players. They, they, they yeah. determine fields. Steve for Tasker and the bills. Remember him? Ooh, like all time. Pro all Bowl every year as a special team tackler. Is that guy in the hall of fame? Cause he I should don't know. Be. He, he might. Be, yeah. Right? He should be. Yeah. Do a quick uh, go ahead. So the, the, the special teams coach is what's his name? Um, Oh, uh, uh, Hightower. I forgot his last name up, but I'll get it for you. Hold on a second. See, uh, that, that, that's a football name. You can remember that name. He's got a great football name, Hightower. How about it? God damn it. <laughs> Watch um, out for Where is it? It's not Chris Tabor. He's gone. By the way, a lot of people were, were, were saying, you know, Chris Tabor should have been re-signed. You know, Chris Tabor became a good coach, special teams coach these last – a uh, couple of seasons. Those first seasons when he advocated for Chris Barkey to be part of the Bears, they didn't. There were times where the special teams players didn't know rules and so forth. So I, I'm not losing any sleep over the fact that Tabor is gone. Richard Hightower is the special teams coordinator. His first year as a special Dick Hightower. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's a good Bears like defensive name, you know. <laughs> 15 years of NFL coaching experience, including five as the special teams coordinator with Robbie Gold's San Francisco 49ers. So um, all right. Uh, what else we got here? Let's uh see what we if we have questions that we can respond to. Uh anybody have a question for Tooch, whether it's gambling, whether it's bears, whether it's uh cuisine in Iowa, uh fire away. Yeah. And we'll uh if we'll address pork, this is the place to be. Yeah. And Earl Martin says we need true wide receivers and cornerbacks. I totally agree. I mean, this roster is in such need of so many skill positions, but we've only got Darnell Mooney signed at wide receiver. You've got to find some really good value and free agency uh, at that wide receiver position. And then the at the cornerback position, the big thing is, can these coaches improve the play of Kendall Vildor? And he is a very, very important part of this defense. Thomas Graham is also another guy because he showed a lot of promise in those last two, three games that he played at the end of the season. But if if a guy like Vildor, if a, if a guy like Graham, you can go into the season and say, okay, they can start opposite Jalen Johnson or maybe even play that slot cornerback position. Duke Shelley is a guy that I don't have a lot of confidence in. 
But those guys are huge. I mean, they have got to look at the tape and and, and determine whether those guys are, 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 are guys you can depend on because there's only so much money you've got to spend. There's only so many draft picks. So, you know, uh, draft and develop. Well, they didn't draft these guys, but hopefully they can develop at least one of those three cornerbacks that I mentioned. Um, okay, the fact that, Tooch, any player from the draft that you feel we can land at 39 that can be an impactful player in game one? What do you say, Tooch? Well, I'll tell you, I haven't studied a lot of draft stuff yet. I usually get into that, you know, coming up like March, April. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still, I'm still so busy with college basketball right now at my my thing going on right now is I, I wake up in the middle of the night to pee then i start handicapping the the basketball college basketball games for the next day mm-hmm. you know so uh from like three in the morning till i go to work at eight i'm you know going over games and trying to find you know the best games to bet on you know mm-hmm. the, the edge there but would be great if the Bears pulled like a Bengals type thing and got one of Justin Fields wide receivers from Ohio State that could make an impact, you know, from the familiarity mm-hmm. with that. Uh, and then I, I would not mind seeing them draft the tackle or center on the offensive line. I think Ryan Poles is going to put an emphasis on the offensive line himself being an offensive lineman. And I think you got to start with center, man. I think the, if you can get the best center in the draft, uh, in the second round, Mile, all right, isn't it? Lindstrom? I think he'll be gone, but boy, would that be great if oh, they could and, and you know solidify the offensive line, get a stud in there. You're, you know, you're paying him. You know, uh, you're not paying him. You know what you pay James Daniels, right? You know, and you can you could probably get as good of quality out of him. You know, for way less money. Mm-hmm. You know, which is what you need to do. I think uh, one of the uh, posters in the chat room said uh uh you know we're 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 marginal marginal cap space for next year exactly you know, it's gonna be hard uh to 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 do anything and next year might be you know uh, a year where we aren't very good you know the, the yeah, defense I, may, may be good right because if you keep Quinn and Mac and they play all 17 games healthy or the majority of those 17 games. I think that's huge. And you got and, and that's a big if it, it, it know, really they're is. old and they're injured, you know, it's it really like... is. And I'll tell you one thing about Alan Williams. He almost took offense. Hub Arkish asked him a question about, you know, these guys are in the uh, midlife of their careers. And, and uh, Williams said, you know, you make it sound like midlife is a bad thing. You know, midlife is the middle of your life. These guys still have a lot of great football and with, with all the, the ways people can stay healthy and play long careers, I'm really happy with those guys. And so hopefully Williams' optimism about those guys and where they are age-wise is going to pay off. Um, in terms of that question, um, PJ says, who would be a great wide receiver draft pick that can be had in the late second round? Uh, I'll tell yeah. you one name right now uh, that uh, Hair Bear uh, posted. Where, where was it? Oh, Drake London, the USC wide receiver. This guy is uh, six foot five, 215 pounds. A lot of the services have him ranked as a top 10 wide receiver in this draft. He will definitely be a second rounder. That size, uh, that speed that he has, along with guys like George Pickens, the six foot three wide receiver from Georgia, David Bell, the six foot two wide receiver from Purdue. If you want to get a tall, 
big catch radius wide receiver. Those are three names that should be available. At least one of them should be available when you're picking 39 in the second round, if that's the pick the Bears eventually end up with. Although I do think that there's a chance they may trade down um, to accumulate more picks. But if you can walk away with one of those three names, and Danny Shimon said it on the last draft on tap, any one of those three guys would be a great acquisition for the Chicago Bears. Uh, just a philosophical question for you, Tooch. Given what we know about this offensive line, given you know the little bit that we know about free agent offensive linemen, would you be okay if the Bears – uh, dedicated their second round draft pick to a wide receiver and not an offensive lineman. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you, you got to get Justin Justin Field some weapons, right? You know, I mean, you, the, the you, did it. You, you got Mooney. That's it. You, you got to get yeah. somebody. <laughs> yeah, you probably have to address it in free agency and the drafter. So the cupboard's absolutely. bare. I mean, the. You were talking about speedy third and fourth receivers, and we had a couple. Marquise Goodwin comes to mind. He he did all right, uh, and uh, uh, Bird. Demir Bird. Demir Bird. Yeah, those two guys. We can get by with them for this next year, but uh, mm-hmm. I think they're both free agents. Yeah, the uh, Pickens on Georgia is probably going to be there in the second round. He's a good wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, Purdue and had I- a couple couple good uh, wide receivers too. And I've always thought that it was it takes a while for rookie wide receivers to excel in the NFL, but that's begun to change over the last several years. Yeah, I mean, it was an anomaly back then when you had a rookie like Randy Moss comes in as yeah. a as a rookie and has a sensational rookie season. Yep. that was an anomaly. But now more and more we're seeing rookie wide receivers yep. come into the NFL and have good seasons. A lot of that has to do with the fact that. Uh, uh, coaches in the NFL are adopting more and more of the playbooks and schemes that we see in the college football game. Hey, yeah, Vinny Parisi is here. Yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. Hanover Park Little League, Vinny. <laughs> Vinny will be on uh, which, co-hosting. Which one of the brothers? Did he, ever ask, did he ever answer the question of which one of the brothers was the big home run hitter, Vinny or Joey? Oh, it was definitely Joey, right, Vinny? He's going to yell at me tomorrow. Vinny, yeah, they Joey, were, they, were, and... they were like a year or two older than my son. So, yeah, but those three guys will be hosting Bar Down Hockey Talk tomorrow at 2 p.m. And it's not just hockey talk, those guys talk mm-hmm. football. You better believe they're going to talk a lot about the Super Bowl. And that's at 2 p.m. tomorrow. I hope you will tune in for their show. Toa had a question here. I think he had a set question. <laughs> Good question, Aldo. Would you be okay? Up. Oh. Let me uh, put that one back up. Good question, Aldo. Would you be okay if they took offensive line or with the second round or first? Depends, Toa. Um, totally depends on, you know, what happens in free agency. Uh, uh, and so if they pick up a, a, a reliable starter in free agency, then I think they need to get a wide receiver in that second round as high as possible to ensure success. And Vinny's response to that, 1 million percent, it was yeah. me that was hitting our home runs. <laughs> yeah, one of them was a big slugger, man. I used to hit the ball a long way. Mm-hmm. Both of them are very, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys, you talk about living sports. When they are. Yeah, uh, yeah they're characters. They, they're awesome guys. Awesome. Yeah, they were characters when they were kids on the on the uh, Little League team. Mm-hmm. Um. 
All right. Uh, anything else? Let's see what Bear Truth has to say here. Uh, depending on free agency, I'm getting the highest grader, graded wide receiver, offensive lineman, and three tech. Bear Truth, nine. Yes. You know, this three tech defensive lineman now has become a high priority for this team. I don't think Bilal Nichols is that guy. I, I, I just feel like you got to find somebody that can come in and at the very least compete with Bilal Nichols at that position. And, and, and Santucci is totally, totally right there. This, this team is a, at least one year away from competing. I, to me, it would be a miracle, a miracle if the bears get into the playoffs, given how deep a hole Ryan Pace left this new organization. Scott Osborne asks, will Eddie Jackson get traded? What do you think, Tooch? Well, I wouldn't be against it, but I don't think his salary – I don't know what we'd get for him, you know? Yeah, so you're going to get a fourth-round, fifth-round pick for Eddie Jackson, and you're going to yeah. lose your starting free safety, um, yeah. and you're moving to a cover two uh, defense – which could really be helpful for Eddie Jackson because it might mean that he doesn't have to play in the box. And so that we're going to limit the amount of tackling that he has to do. So I think the biggest thing with Eddie Jackson is, you know, can he go through a mental rehabilitation so that he isn't so into just thinking takeaways, 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 and instead he's thinking, what can I do to help win this game? And if that means sacrificing my body and tackling Derrick Henry, uh, then doing it because Eddie Jackson doesn't have that mentality right now. There's no way he would sacrifice his body to tackle Derrick Henry. Derrick yeah. Henry's going through him. I'll tell yep. you that right now. I remember when they had that charity softball game in Schaumburg uh, three, four seasons ago, and uh, Greg Braggs and I were there in, in – uh, uh, we interviewed Eddie Jackson and Greg Braggs, who was probably 5'10", and at the time he was heavier than he is now, maybe 220, 225, he looked like he could beat the shit out of Eddie Jackson. I was like, holy shit, Eddie Jackson yeah. is small, man. No wonder he doesn't want to tackle. Yeah. <laughs> Vinny says, if Rodgers leaves Green Bay, then I think the Bears could win the division with an 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight record, but if he doesn't, no shot, too many holes. You know, that's the, the big question now is that it looks like Green Bay is all in on trying to retain Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is the guy in control of what that what his future is going to be look uh, look like because he had his contract renegotiated, and so he's got the opportunity to leave the Packers, uh, play somewhere else, or uh, there's been talk that he's even considering retirement. But the Packers could, you know uh, – Franchise tag Devontae Adams, uh, patch up some of the offensive line issues and, and give Rodgers enough weapons for him to feel like, yeah, let me come back because I'm comfortable with uh, the fact that the Packers are, are, are allowing me more input into how to design that team. Hair Bear says if Rodgers stays in Green Bay, they won't be able to afford anybody else on the team. Yeah, Hair Bear, but we were talking about earlier, you know, there are certain things that you can do to free up some cap yeah. space. You know, it might mean, you know, losing some defensive starters and, uh, you know. Uh, There's a new TV deal, though, coming, right? That is going to create a lot of cap dollars in 2023, 2024, 2025. So the key thing is, is can you entice 
free agents to come and backload their contracts so that uh, you can get by uh, having a 2022 season and not be over the cap. So uh, I think, of- uh, you know, when, when, when uh, we were talking with Dan and he, he's very optimistic over the new guys because they're not Pace and Nagy, you know, yes. and that's, uh, that's understandable, but that's huge. I, <laughs> it's huge. But Aldo and I are kind of like, well, you know, George and Ted are still there evaluating everything. And Aldo and I are kind of wondering, Barflies, that if uh, did, did George and Ted learn the lesson of, uh, you know, leaving Pace to mind the store, you yeah. know, because the fucking store is fucking losing money in bad shape. Mm-hmm. You know, the salary cap of the players, it's all, you know, no draft picks. It's like, uh, you know, he gave away the store, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if George and Ted – are, are uh, you know, uh, smart enough or, or wise enough or whatever you want to call it, savvy enough to, to know what they're looking at and to avoid the same situation happening again. I totally agree. You know, this, is, again, I wish I was a fly in the wall or able to videotape these yeah. uh, interviews with uh, uh, coaches and GMs. And so that had to be one of the key topics of, of discussion is, you know, George McCaskey should have phrased it this way. How are you going to better manage my fucking money, you yeah, know, yeah. than the last guy who has now left us paying for Charles Leno next season? In fact, we, we're paying him so much we had to put him on the calendar. <laughs> we had to put him on the fucking calendar. God damn it! I'm getting my money out of him. Exactly. <laughs> no, I should uh, drop Charles a uh, 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 DM because uh, I think it's his wife follows me. I should drop him a DM <laughs> with a picture of him. He's still on the fucking calendar. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, uh, the thing is, like, I mean, when I was debating Aaron Mikulski and, and and Dan, you know, uh, uh, about, you know, he's a, he's a 33-year-old kid or whatever, you know, but because that's kind of like what we did. We did the same thing again, was hiring someone who may not know how to mind the store, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. again, without yeah. the experience to know uh, cap management and uh, all this stuff. Maybe he does. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. You know, thinking, you know, he's going to be this some kind of savvy uh, drafter, savvy cap manager, savvy uh, a pro personnel manager, uh, you know, and, and, and know enough to uh, to run a football organization. I just don't think that that's what I, I think George McCassie drafted a guy to draft to pick players for him in the draft. You know, that's basically, that's what, I don't know. You know, you you want somebody who's going to oversee the guy who's picking draft picks, you know, a guy who's going to oversee the, the, the player pro player personnel department, you know, the scouting department, uh, all of it, every, every facet of it. And that, you know, uh, if, if George McCaskey is that person, we're in trouble again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Bear Truth 9 uh, regarding the Aaron Rodgers thing. The question is, does Rodgers think he can win it all with a team that may be losing key offensive or defensive players? Yeah, that is the key. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers said so after the season. You know, there's a lot of changes coming to the Packers. They're going to have to make some serious changes with their roster, and that means list- losing starting players. There's so and, many places he could go. Yeah, and so there might be another team that's willing to, to you know, pay him the $30, $40 million because they got the cap space, but already have the uh, weapons like Detroit with Jerry Judy and some of the other young pass-catching guys. You know, I mean, not, not Detroit, uh, Denver seems like a ready-made team for 
Rogers to go there and compete. Uh, Stephen Nagishi is very hopeful. He thinks George has learned his lessons. So we'll see, Stephen. We'll you'll see. PJ says, is Andrian, Adrian Amos a possible cap casualty in Green Bay? Damn right he is. Damn right he is. And so would he be uh, interested in coming back to Chicago? I think he would. I don't think he yeah, there were any not, bridges uh, whatsoever. If the money is right, Adrian Amos is, is coming here. But we know that his first um, allegiance is to getting a big peg day. This will be his last big fat contract that he can land. And if the Bears can afford to, to give him that big fat contract. Now, safeties are are generally underpaid in the NFL. I don't know why. I think that's one of the uh, most important positions in today's NFL. But for the last uh, decade or so, I've seen uh, lots of quality safeties available uh, well after free agency frenzy. You know, it's like the last position people think about the NFL general managers is the safeties and the center or the guards, you know, and, and those guys that's are still the most. Exactly. I don't get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, sometimes I, I wonder if the uh, people who are making decisions still aren't living in the 80s and 90s in terms of building teams and are slow to understand that the rule changes have necessitated uh, different thinking in, in terms of building a team. Stephen Nagishi says, I bet Getsy can lure several deep uh, players from the Packers. For it. Yeah, bring them on. Bring yeah. them on. Uh, Stealing from the there, enemy. Isn't there a, a key offensive lineman that is for the Packers that's headed towards free agency? And I'm not talking about an old guy like David Bakhtiari. Um, yeah. Let me uh, do a quick search of that. But, yeah, those are the guys to look at. There's some what? centers out there. I mean, uh, Ryan Jensen on the Buccaneers is pretty good. But, of course, he's on the older side. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know, Vikings young centers was, had a pretty good year. The Brian Allen was a guy mm-hmm. I liked out of Michigan State. Uh, but, yeah, you either, you know, uh, you either sign somebody in free agency to play the center position or or you're, you're going center in the draft for sure. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. The, uh, Dennis Kelly, their right tackle, 32-year-old, is a free agent. Uh, Lucas Patrick, the guard over there, he's a 28-year-old uh, offensive lineman. Uh, cornerback Kevin King, who hasn't lived up to expectations, is a free agent lineman, uh, a free agent uh, player available. Cornerback Chandon Sullivan, a cornerback uh, for the Packers. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown uh, is a, 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 and I'm not a big fan of him. See, there, there's a name you won't forget, although Equinemius. That's exactly. Fucking. <laughs> Ain't no Alan Williams. Jimmy <laughs> Equinemius. Right. By the way, did you know that his uh, father and his brother, uh, who plays for the Detroit Lions, their father was a world champion weightlifter, not weightlifter, bodybuilder, bodybuilder. And he changed his name, to, last name to St. Brown because it had a better ring. And so he named his sons with with names that you're not going to forget equinemius yeah. so yeah. uh yeah those are Amon uh, ra yeah oh my gosh well, where's where's don burr tell us all about Amon ra mm-hmm. don yep. don burr. is don burr celebrating matt stafford getting a ring <laughs> he did I, say I, that i, I don't know today. if it was today but he did say uh yeah. i think it was during the gabriel show that he was happy for for matt stafford so mm-hmm. there you go yeah. Um, Scott Osborne is, is saying, uh, is asking, does Daniels get re-signed or is he history? 
Hey, we talked about this a little earlier, Scott. I am for re-signing him because I think he's so young. He still has uh, the ability, the capacity to improve. Uh, but uh, Aguirre is not a fan of James Daniels. Tooch, what do you say? Are you signing him? If you could get him for like $9 million, would you, you sign him? Well, I mean, I see, here's the thing. Do I like James Daniels? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, like next year is a rebuilding. You might as well draft a guard, you know, and just, uh, uh, you know, pay him what a fourth, fifth round pick salary, mm-hmm. you know, and you probably, you know, you you're not going to, you know, coach him up. You're not going to, I mean, there might be, there might be also guards. You can move Larry Borum. If you, if you sign a, you could sign a, a tackle in free agency. Maybe others uh, talk about Cam Robinson, the left tackle for the Jaguars, you know, uh, mm-hmm. possibly coming to the bears if they decide to uh, maybe he's finally about to blossom into that left tackle stud. And then you move Borum to guard. You don't need James Daniels to unless he's going to center Adam, we, he couldn't do center because his voice was softer than Michael Jackson's. (laughs) When when you get into these big stadiums, like Arrowhead stadium, where you can't hear a fucking thing, James Daniels is not going to be able to make any calls, you know? And that's, that's the thing with, with Daniels is, you know, he was criticized for not making the call, the accurate calls, making mistakes and not, having a voice that the other linemen could hear over the crowd. And then the other thing is, it's just that mean streak. He never displayed that mean streak that really endeared uh, Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum to the Bears last season when they drafted. They wanted to transform, and this was upon the orders of uh, uh, Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach. They wanted to transform the offensive line to a mean bunch of guys and I like that. I like that. And so if 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 Jenk, excuse me, uh, uh, Daniels can prove that he can grow a mean streak and he can also make the calls necessary, then signing him to an eight, nine, ten million dollar contract at center might be the way to go. Um, so I, I don't, don't know. think I've ever heard his voice. To be honest, I just remember that story came out that his voice was too quiet or soft. Yes, exactly. It's not. It's not like it's not deep. Yeah. He's not a soprano. Uh, uh, I think uh, Tooch was just joking about the Michael Jackson thing. Yeah. It was just audibly that he he wasn't speaking up uh, loud enough. So, um, Bear Truth Nine says he disagrees with me. I I I, I don't doubt that you should. Bear Truth Nine, whatever it is I said, you're probably right. I'm probably wrong. Steven says Bozeman from Baltimore is another free agent center who could be a great addition. You're absolutely right. I interviewed him at the Senior Bowl uh, a few years ago, and you know there were a lot of questions about whether he could turn himself into a, a viable NFL player because of there were some concerns about his height. But yeah, he's played well, and he def- definitely deserves consideration uh, as a potential uh, bear acquisition f- during free agency. What else we got here? Let's see. Uh, Adeptus says, so the real question, how many players is the Getty connection going to be able to poach from the pack? That is the key thing, you know, and I think it's ju- it goes beyond just Getsy. Uh, you, if you have players from Green Bay who say, man, I really like this coach. But the big yeah. thing every free agent player is going to ask is, who's the quarterback? And if they believe in Justin yeah. Fields, like a lot of us do, then that's going to really, really help sign players um, because it's all about the quarterback, man. Uh, 
Hallballs. Hallballs, 34. I think he's new. I've never seen him before. It says, my opinion, go after the wide receiver in free agency and draft O-line. I um, I don't know, Hallballs. Uh, tell me what you think about this, Tooch, but I, I, I think you you, you got to do both. You got to get wide receivers in the draft and uh, uh, a free agency and, and the same thing with offensive yeah. linemen. You know, you need so much. <laughs> yeah, we, we need so many things. We've got to we gotta take a stab at both places. We gotta dip in both cookie jars. Yep. And we uh Steven cookie jar, Aldo. Exactly. One uh, one hand in each cookie jar and your dick out. Yep. Uh I better not go there. Steven Nagishi asked, Do you guys like Alan Lazard? Uh, Greg Gabriel and I have been talking about Lazard for the last three, four weeks. I yeah, love him. I like not him. that he's yeah. gonna come here and catch 80 passes, but he can catch 40 to yes. 50 passes, and his downfield blocking is second to none in the NFL. I think he would be an excellent acquisition for like, he he might even sign with the Bears for two or three million dollars. So like another uh, Iowa kid right here in I, Urbandale, Iowa, went to Iowa State. Yep. 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 He, he, David he's, Montgomery's he's, teammate. He 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 would be a great you know uh, third or fourth wide receiver in your depth chart. So um, uh, yeah. I, I definitely have, now he is a restricted free agent. So you would have to match whatever the Packers if the 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 Packers tender him which is they probably will because he's not going to require that much money and they got to fill their roster somehow. Uh, so I, I will say that the Packers will probably tender him for like 1.7 million. So the bears might have to come up with $2 million. And so I, I would weigh that and, and probably say, yes, you know, Oh, we lost the tooch. He just, he just said, fuck this man. I'm sleepy. <laughs> Dan and I got to go to bed. <laughs> Anyway, I'm about ready to wrap things up here. Tooch is uh, headed back here. I see him popping up on the screen. There he is. What yeah, a good-looking guy. Kicked me off. <laughs> Who kicked you off? Streamyard, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they you know, it's because you look like a Russian. What are you saying, this gun deal? Anyway, it's about that time that we pulled the plug on this. We've yeah. got a... Uh, Close to three-hour show, another four minutes. I forgot to we'll tell you, though, I, I took your recommendation and started watching the Korean zombie movie or series. Yes, what do you think? I like it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted now. It's like the, the, the special effects, both uh, CGI and practical, are fantastic. So underrated. Yeah. I mean, they I look so fucking real. You know, mm -hmm. some of the crazy shit that happens just looks so real. I know, man. Yeah. It is so it's fucking good. And good. then uh, I, I watch Reacher. I don't know if you – did I mention that one last time? The yeah, Amazon yeah. Prime. Yes. Binge that. That's awesome. If you guys get a chance to watch that, you'll really like it. Uh, and uh, uh saw Nightmare Alley. Of course, we talked about that. I love the ending. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, let's see. That's uh, about it. Uh, not much else. Saw the James Bond movie, the last, latest one. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? How is that? It's good. Really good, man. Rami Malek is awesome. Really good yeah, actor. He really is. Yeah. I've been, The last James Bond movie uh, I saw was uh, the previous one. Uh, no, that wasn't James Bond. That was uh, Mission Impossible that I reviewed yeah, that was great. for your own yep. show. I have a stream. Yeah. Um, that was really well done. Very well uh, done. Yeah. Shot throughout Europe and stuff. Um, I got to tell you really quickly, um, you know, these uh, reality dating shows, Tooch looks like the WWE <laughs> executive Nick Khan. Yeah, you do look like Nick Khan. <laughs> he must be a handsome fella. 
<laughs> he loves me. <laughs> um, you know these dating reality shows like the the uh, the ninety day fiance, ninety day fiance. I've seen a couple episodes, more than a couple episodes of that thing. Um, and uh, Netflix now has one called uh, Love Is Blind, and the premise is that they have twenty women and twenty guys, and for ten days. You talk to the member of the opposite sex, but it's through a wall, a, a glassed wall. So you don't get to see that person. And so you try to establish relationships with that uh, opposite sex person. And after the 10 uh, days or any really any time during the 10 days, if you establish a relationship, you can then ask that person to marry you. So there are guys and girls who after a few days they say I, I i get along with you so well i don't care what you look like love is blind i'm in love with you they're and fucking I, anus right <laughs> <laughs> they're like <laughs> fucking scar-faced <laughs> and so there has been a couple of occasions when they meet face to face it's like ooh, love may be blind but it what ain't right <laughs> <laughs> that that was trending this weekend on Netflix, and so my wife and I saw five yeah. episodes. It's hilarious. What's it called again? Again, called Love Is Blind, Love and is blind. this is actually the second season of it. And then uh, there's another dating show on Netflix called Dating Around, and I really love the way this one was produced. It's thirty minute episodes, and so let's say, John, uh, you're going to go out on a date with five different women, and then. At the end, you have to make a decision as to who you will pick for the second date. Uh, who do you want to continue to, to pursue a relationship? And what's cool about it is the way that it's edited. So you'll see yourself walking in with the date from the first date and sitting down, having drinks, talking. And then there'll be like a jump cut and you're talking to the, the second person you're dating. and Or there'll be another cut and you'll be talking to the third person and so forth. So it's all edited in kind of this continuous style. And they ask the person who is dating these multiple people to dress the same for all five dates. You know, because at first I was thinking, wow, he's this guy is fucking dating all five women in one night and they're having drinks the entire night. Like, no, at the same I, time? Yeah, no, it's like not at the same time. It's, it's, it's okay. different dates, but it seems like it's the same time okay. because they asked that person to wear the same clothing. So wow. uh, it's it's a nice goof show to watch with the wife and 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 have some fun. And I I live vicariously through these dating shows, you know. So I love right. my wife. I love making love to my wife and so forth. But every once in a while, I'll watch The Bachelor just to knock one out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you watch uh, Ozark? Oh, I've watched season one and loved it, and have not seen any of the okay. seasons. It's a great show, and then you know, you know, I don't know if you remember uh, the actress Ruth that plays Ruth. Mm -hmm. She's like the curly-haired. Uh, I gal. love her. Sensational yeah. actress. Yes, she has a show on Netflix where she plays like this Russian or British or American con artist. I don't even know what she is, but she's like a con artist. It's a series. I, I I can't remember the name of it right now, but my wife and I just started watching it. It's very good. I, I, I've uh, seen her out promoting the show, like she was on Fallon okay. and a couple other shows. I don't remember the title. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, love it. I was enjoying that. I watched, was watching that recently, too. And of course, I'm watching 1883, the uh, the prequel of to uh, Yellowstone, mm -hmm. which I haven't watched Yellowstone, but I love the 1883, the prequel series. Very well mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. 
I, uh, I've got that on my bucket list to watch. And, uh, and next week, one of the other things we'll do with uh, Dan, so Tooch, if you can at least see an episode or two of that Bill Cosby documentary. Oh, okay. Showtime. Uh, oh, Showtime, sure. Yeah, we have to talk about Bill Cosby as the title. It's by Camille, Camille, I'm mispronouncing his first name, Camille Bell. Oh, He's Kamal, at, w. Kamal Bell? Yeah, that's him. Uh, stand-up comedian, yeah. and and, uh, and and the the entire series is looking at the whole Bill Cosby phenomenon uh, through the eyes of black people. And you know, this guy was a role model for black people, and he he opened doors. I, I you and I, uh, John. I mean, I'm older than you, but do you remember when Bill Cosby was on the show I Spy with Robert Culp? Sure. Yeah, I mean, he was on uh, the Electric Company too. Yeah. That was that I Spy show. That was huge. That was the yeah. first time in Africa. Robert Culp and yeah, right. Bill Cosby. And he won Emmys. I think he won two or three Emmys. I mean, and and that was huge for the black community. And he went on to star in so many other shows and had great comedy albums. I remember yeah. I, I had, I didn't buy it. My uncle had it and I stole it from him. He had a, a comedy album that was about his, his, his uh, experiences playing college sports. And it was hilarious. I would listen to that thing over and over and over again as a kid. And then, you know, we learned that this guy was drugging women and having sex with them. And this documentary is so well done about the clues that he left behind. Even some of the scenes in the Cosby show where he was talking about Spanish fly and blah, 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 and, and stuff like that. It's really, really good. Dan is really taken by the documentary because Dan says that when he was a kid watching the Cosby show, that was his favorite show. And uh, yeah, I used so, to watch it too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, PJ says Bill Cosby was a role model for for all of us, uh, for black people, white people, you name it. Bill Cosby was was sensational, and it's just unfortunate he had this very sinister uh, side to him. Um, that is it, man. We just went over the three hour mark. Tooch, thank you so much yep. for staying up late. Uh, you don't oh, have to do this, but you you join us every week, and it's, uh, uh, probably my the best time of the week for me. You know. There I mean, you go. Even Except though I had, had some Valentine's sex with the wife, you know, once if, if the toddlers go to bed at just the right time, you know, before I fall asleep, if they, you know, I still have some energy left. <laughs> the, the toddlers wear me out, man, I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> they're, they're not good for the sex life either. No. But. No. No. Uh, all right thank you for everyone in the chat room it's been great interacting with you you're really a big part of the show and it's fun to uh, uh play off of some of the stuff that you write and uh, those of you listening to the audio podcast uh hopefully you can join us on a tuesday night and participate in the chat uh with us we'd love to hear your thoughts and if not, you know, just send us something, uh, uh, send Tooch or myself or Dan a DM uh, if you want us to talk about something. And I, I say that, and I've had a couple of DMs, people asking me to talk about stuff, and I've, uh, I haven't gotten to it, but I promise I will. And uh, tomorrow, as I mentioned, at 2 p.m. Central, it's Bar Down with Vinny, Joey, Parisi, and their cousin, uh, Frank Mueller. Uh, it's a great, great show. If you haven't had a chance to uh, – uh, listen to Bardon. Even if you're not a big hockey fan, trust me, you will enjoy because yeah. these guys do it such a great job of uh, presenting what they've got uh, from a sports perspective. 
And uh, then tomorrow night, I think we've got science fiction tomorrow. And I'm not sure what the guys will be talking about, but it'll be Probably something. the new Batman coming out, you know? Yeah. In fact, we've been looking for a guest, right. a Batman expert, to uh, talk about the Batman movie. So that yeah. might be tomorrow or the following week. But, yeah, it, are you excited about the new Batman movie, Tooch? Well, it looks pretty good. But, I mean, uh, we, I, 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 I'm struck by the fact that we tell the same batman story over and over again and everybody loves it every time we tell the story you know we had uh, uh you know michael keaton the, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was a reinvention of the adam west mm-hmm. you know uh, uh series and then you know the, the next was what uh, george clooney came out he got his shot right and then uh ben affleck and uh or christian bale ben affleck and now uh you got robert pattinson so but it's like you know the retelling of the batman story so it is a mythic story that is timeless, you know, yep. orphaned child, you know, sees his parents murdered, grows up to want to be an avenger of crime, but is mistaken as to being a criminal and stuff. It's beautifully done. The whole yep. Dark Knight uh, continuation of that is so fucking well done. The Christopher Nolan movies, that's one of my favorite yeah, movie yeah. trilogies of all time. I love that stuff. Yeah, the third one was fantastic with Tom Hardy as the villain. Yes. Yeah, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that was great. Oh, uh, PJ, I apologize I, I, that I did not uh, respond to your message on Facebook. I don't do Facebook that often anymore. I'm feuding with Steve Zuckerman. Um, but I will look for it, and then uh, uh, I will make sure to, to, to do a better job of that. Um, so I apologize, uh, uh, PJ. I don't go and, on Facebook either. I'm convinced that they're spying on us. I I, you know, I agree with predictive, you. Man. Uh, algorithms will know where you are when you're taking a shit without toilet paper. I agree. There's something sinister going on with the people over at Facebook, yeah. and so I I try to stay off of it as as much as possible. And and I hate it too because so many of my family members are only on Facebook, and that's yeah, always yeah. been a good way to stay in touch with family and stuff. So I, I let you know, my I, wife do all that stuff. She's all into the Facebook and stuff. I'm mm-hmm. I like Twitter. That's my favorite, but. Me too. Same here. And I'm hoping to get into Instagram in a big way in 2022, but we'll see yeah. about that. This is so much, so much stuff. Instagram, social media. Oh, yeah. shit, man. I can't stay on top of it. But I can't stay on top of this show. Dan and Aldo, Bear Their Souls, thank you all very much for watching, and I will see you all very soon. Tooch, thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, by the way, follow Tooch at John Santucci VIP. That's Santucci, S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I-V-I-P at John Santucci. Make sure you follow him. All right? Adios.